0: The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by MikesArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit MikesArchery.com and get your gear now.
1: Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What is up, Redneck Tech Podcast audience? This is episode 153, if I am not mistaken, and today we are going to be doing part two in our three-part installment, So You Want to Have A. Last week we did podcast. this week we're doing web show. Um, I'm thinking this will be a very useful podcast for a lot of guys out there. I think that we have a large swath of our audience who follows us for tips and tricks um, about filming hunts primarily for the reason of having a web show. So uh, today what we're going to do is kind of break down the types of things that you need to kind of be considering and doing and buying and whatnot in order to have a successful
2: web show. Um, Are we doing this sponsored web show, like what we do with Spy Point, or are we just saying, like, us three want to have a series on YouTube?
0: Yeah, so the hard part about this is that there are so many types of web shows and so many reasons for web shows and so many ways to do a web show. Um, we can't possibly talk about all of them, but I'm going to kind of view it from, let's go with the... Make it happen would be a very good... Well, I'm going to, I'm going to view it from the lens of like, okay, I want to make a name for myself in the industry somehow. And the avenue that I've chosen to do that, or me and my friends have chosen to do that is a web show. And that's starting by doing it all yourself, um, self-funded. And then, uh, at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about, um, sponsors and stuff like that. So I'm gonna phrase I'm gonna we're gonna approach this from the lens that uh you are going to be filming your own web show, you're going to be editing your own web show, and you're probably gonna have to fund your own web show to begin with, because that's gonna be the reality for probably eighty percent of guys out there. Um, now, if that's not you, we'll talk a little bit about that uh later. But I mean if you start talking about uh web shows like the ones we do for Spy Point or the Make It Happen, or whatever else um you know those <coughs> those are uh web shows with people who kind of already have a name in the industry or they're a brand that wants a web show and they come to the production company for us to produce a web show for them so it 's a little bit of a different take, but a lot of the concepts are gonna be the same um I just think it's probably more common for our listeners to be doing a web show for themselves as opposed to be doing a web show for a brand or a sponsor. But we're going to talk about kind of getting sponsors or what having a sponsor means later on, unless you guys have any.
2: No, that's uh, fine. I just wanted to know for tailoring my responses and my comments. Mm-hmm. Any Any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns on that? <coughs>
3: I'll just pray it's 2008 and YouTube's just blossoming because
0: that's, that's was the ticket to success. It was. Unfortunately, that time has passed and it is now much, much harder to find success in that realm. That's not to say that you can't, uh, but just like anything, um, you know, it's uh, you got to make a name for yourself and you got to stand out somehow. So uh, that kind of brings us to our first question, really. Uh, that you want to ask yourself before starting a web show is why do you want a web show? What's the purpose of the web show? I know we've talked about this 4 million times. Um, it's one of the questions that we ask everybody when they come to us with, hey, um, I want to do this. I want to do that. Or a company says we want to we want to do this or that. Well, why? What's the end goal? Um, and that, that question informs a lot of your decisions going forward. You know, if... Like, let's take the general filming a hunt um, filming a hunt example. Uh, that why question informs uh, a lot of things. Why do you want to film the hunt? Well, if you're just filming it because you want to show it to your friends and family on the TV at home, well, then, you know, maybe you produce and approach that differently than, oh, I'm filming this hunt because I would like to someday be a full-time... Uh, content creator, filmmaker, uh, whoever in the hunting space. And past that, you know, is your goal to be a uh, content creator or a videographer or a photographer or a video editor or is your goal to be a host or a talent or somebody who brands come to as as an influencer? Um, because that kind of changes maybe some of the goals that you have with the web show. Uh, the same thing, are you just doing it because uh, you enjoy it, you want to, it's kind of a part-time thing, you're going to keep your day job uh, and do this when you have the time? Or are you trying to, at some point, get to the place where you're getting paid enough money to do this that you don't you don't have another job, like that's your job? Uh, another thing that obviously plays into the why and how you'll approach things. Um, I will say that it's, I think all of us on this side of the production world will say that I think it's, if you're looking to make a full-time career out of it, then the knowing how to run the cameras and the editing software is a more probabilistic bet. You're more likely to be able to find a career on that side than the hosting side. Uh, Because if we're just being completely honest, there's a certain it factor that you have to have to be a host who will uh, garner enough attention and uh, garner enough social media presence and pull an audience to uh, have brands want to pay you for being yourself.
2: Well, and not only that, you think about it like Caleb always says there is one Michael Waddell. Right. There's one Chuck Belmore. But you also look Thank goodness there's only one truck bomb <laughs> Imagine <laughs> yeah, exactly. a World War Two. Well, he, well he's got a son, so we'll see how that goes. But uh Yikes. How many like even if a company had a Michael Waddell, they can only put out so much content with that one person. You know right. what I mean? Like you look at all these companies like Matthews, Sitka, who, Yeti, who have some of the best web... Content, I would say, and I think we could all agree, you very, very rarely see the same people in all those. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, instead of it being a Yeti web show about a guy that does a bunch of stuff, there are Yeti web shows or Yeti films or Sika films about different people using their product. So, in that case, well, you even look at Chuck. Like, Chuck has a web show. He's had a web show of some form for, what, 10 or 11 years, and he's still he's a full-time plumber. He owns his own plumbing business. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's been doing it full-time, and he's been doing that. So
0: It, it, it takes a lot to uh, make money on the web show side of things, and that's just the reality of it. Um, that's not the only reason to have a web show, though. There's a lot of reasons to have a web show. Um, but you know, I always like to present people the reality of situations so that they can approach them, uh, with that information.
2: Well, like you think of like Ernie with Headbuster that listens all the time. Like Mm -hmm. he'd be a good person. He could have a web show and he could be the host, but the, the concept of the show wouldn't be look at me. I'm trying to have a web show where I kill a bunch of turkeys. His could be for his business, right? Like advertising his calls, Mm -hmm. but since he's the call maker, why not? Maybe the face, but he's not doing it to be popular. He's doing it to make his call business bigger. So there's like a, there's a, a one or two like factor change that, that could determine that for you, but you could be the host, but not doing it because you want to get famous.
0: Well, I just think it's important to be honest with yourself as to what, what the end goal is and why you're doing it. I mean, if you want to be a host and you want to see yourself uh, on YouTube or on TV or, on you know maybe a netflix show someday that's a great goal and there are people that 100 percent should be doing that uh and that's awesome you just have to work towards that right and understand that that is a that's a difficult goal you know it's just how it is same with you know being an nba player or an mlb player or something like that uh it's a great goal to have it's a good thing to work towards and there's a lot of success that you can find in the pursuit of that um but at the end of the day, that's a, minor, a minority of people are going to reach that level of um, notoriety, you know? I mean, just think of how many hunting names you know. There's a handful of them, right? But think about for every one of their those names, there's a production team behind them doing this kind of stuff. And obviously, that's this is a little bit out of the realm of the conversation, but... If you just want to talk about, hey, if your goal is to make money and have a career in this, well, you've got a better chance doing it behind a camera or behind an editing software or,
2: you know. You've got, the, you on, got one, on one Chuck and four of us. Right. Now, it doesn't take all four of us every single episode to do something, but in the grand scheme of things, there's one Chuck and there's four of us.
0: Yeah, just a straight numbers game. Yeah. There's more people on the production side of things than there are on the, um, on the hosting side of things, on the influencer side of things. Um, so, just for information purposes. Anyways, the point, know your why, understand. Uh,
3: I thought your point was going to be come to the production class so you can learn how to be one of those people. I low key, just throw in a shameless plug. I low-key thought I, about
2: when we were doing the podcast today, step one, why do you, or what you need to have a, Web show. Come to the Red Night Tech podcast. I was going to shoe that horn, shoehorn that in somewhere today, but you beat me to it. You're going
0: to shoe that horn?
2: Yeah. <laughs> How do you shoe a horn? <sighs> a lot of long
3: hours. <laughs> I would ask, ask the Dutch. They're very good at making shoes. Vah.
0: That's true.
2: That was Russian. Sorry. Was it? I don't know. I don't think it was. No comprende, senor.
0: I don't think that was Russian at all. No comprende. Anyway. If anybody knows Russian, please text Clay. <laughs> what yes is in Russia, please. Ugh. I don't think it's that one. Um, so anyways, rule number one, know your why. Understand the purpose behind what you're doing. So then as we move forward through all of these other things we're going to talk about, you can apply your why to it and figure out, okay, if this is what I'm trying to do, will this help me get to that point? Uh, should I spend this money? Should I do these things? How much time should I dedicate it? All of these things stem from your why. So past that, obviously, if you're going to have a web show, then the first thing that you're going to need to figure out is what's it about. You need to have a concept. Um, We talked about this last time with the podcasts, and I'm going to say it again. It's redundant. I say it a lot. Um, There are a lot of web shows out there. There are a lot of people with web shows. You referenced it earlier earlier. you wish it was 2008 when YouTube was just blossoming. Uh, it's now oh, 20. What a beautiful
1: time to be a hunting yeah. show.
0: It's now 2022. That's uh, a certain amount of years at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years. Uh, yeah, I'm not great at mental math, guys. That's just the, that's just what it is. Um,
3: Holding a pen and on a piece of paper. Hmm? You didn't need to do mental math.
0: See, but that's one of those problems where it's like it's – It's so small that, like, writing it out isn't going to help me do it faster. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Unless I did, like, the check marks or whatever. But then I really would have looked stupid. So we're just going to keep it at that. Anyways, uh, 2008, if you wanted to have a hunting show on YouTube, you could just go out, film it, put it on there, and gain a certain amount of followers just because you're one of the first ones to do it. And that's a phenomena that you'll see with any new platform. If you hop on a platform, when it is new, uh, the ability to gain an audience on that is is far easier than as the platform matures, develops, and gains uh, a large user base and becomes a standard platform. Uh, you You start to lose the ease of getting an audience. I would say right now. You still have to do a good job, by the way. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously. But.
3: That's. You, you, kind of like common sense. It's not very common. But yeah, I felt like that needed to be
0: slid in there. Yes, you would still ha- in two thousand eight. You still had to do a good job, but there was less people that you had to compete with to get the attention of your audience. Um, I think since then, obviously, YouTube is still the web standard for a place to put a web show. We'll talk about more places later, uh, but it's it's a very big world on YouTube. There's a lot of people with web shows. Um, There's a lot of people doing all kinds of web shows, and there's a variety of types of web shows, quality of web shows, and niches. Uh, And so you have to separate yourself somehow. Uh, There's a lot of ways you can separate yourself, but there needs to be something. Uh, We've said it before, and we'll say it again. Uh, A bunch of dudes going hunting... Good old boys. ...is not... It's not a new concept anymore. It's been done 40 million times. You have to have something. Whether that is a really engaging personality that somebody just wants to watch because they're entertaining, and those are your Waddells, those are your Chucks, those are, like, those type of people. Um, I mean, obviously, if you guys have, like, incredible quality of hunting, that is something that you can set yourself apart with, but a lot of people have really, really good hunting,
2: so... Uh, you and know, now, it's, nowadays the whole doing it ourselves on public land thing is kind of getting that's been done saturated as well. Honestly, management
0: shows are, are, um, becoming very, very prevalent. Yeah. If you look closely, you can see kind of these trends of content, um, kind of appear somebody, a, a few people do it really well, get really big doing it. And then everybody else kind of hops on the trend. Um, And wouldn't it be an
3: ironic twist if all of a sudden the trend became like high fence
0: hunting? It would be kind of ironic.
3: (laughs) Just like farm raising deer and perfect genetic specimens, just like two fifties. And that's, I mean, I'm sure
0: there's a web show out there about that. Yeah. Um,
2: What's becoming successful in my opinion, or like at least what I like to watch is the hunting shows that have a second aspect to it. So, like meat eater, yes, there's hunting, but there's a second aspect to meat eater. Would it be eating meat? Well, just whatever their, whoever their, per- the backs, just like the background story on their personality yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I was trying to avoid your a sarcastic comment, or like make it happen. Where yes, it's a hunting show, but there's a secondary aspect to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's not just eighteen minutes of hunting. It's an eighteen-minute show, but like you've edited them, there's eight minutes of, mm-hmm. hey, this is how we got here, this is what it costs, this is how we did it. So yeah, you can have just a hunting show with some good old boys, but make the make there a secondary aspect of the show.
0: You gotta have an angle, almost. I would call that an angle. Um,
3: man, Chuck is so funny in that show. I mean, he is in all the shows, but
0: yes. I, th- I think he's been allowed to yeah, be a little bit funnier good, than, than good previously. Producing, good producing. Oh, true. And good editing, really, honestly, at the end of the day. Here we go. well, <laughs> uh, I think what you're saying holds a lot of, holds a lot of value for people. Um, at this point in time, I would say if you just want to talk basic hunting, uh, it's been filmed every single way that it can be filmed uh, for the time being. And it's really hard to just make, oh, we're going hunting into something unique that hasn't been done before. Um, like I said, you can you can have that uniqueness with a really good personality. You can have that uniqueness maybe with some educational value. Or you can have just a different angle or a different niche or a different approach or maybe a different style of doing it that's uh, – unique and different and hopefully like draws an audience. Um
2: gives the people gives the people a reason to watch. Right. Outside of the hunting.
3: Well it's about having a story right. that is relatable, right. engaging, and actually captures the actual story and not just talks about it.
0: Right. Um there's just so many there there are so many ways things have been done, but there are also a lot of ways they haven't been done, and people just need to find those and and try to just make something a little bit different, a little bit unique, uh, a little bit more novel than the other things you're saying, and hopefully that will draw an audience of people who appreciate and enjoy that particular brand of uniqueness. Um, I think just overall, if you look at how content works. Whenever something starts, uh, the content that is produced surrounding that thing is very general. Um, And as it develops, as more people do it, uh, it starts to kind of silo off into these hyper-specific niches. And you can probably say that with most things, but uh, you can find a lot of success uh, really finding a niche and diving into it. Uh, and creating content for that niche. Uh, Obviously, we create content for a niche. Our niche is teaching people how to create hunting content. Um, There's millions of people, not millions, hundreds of people doing uh, educational (coughs) camera editing content online, but not a whole ton of people doing it in the hunting space. You know, there's a handful. Um,
2: But since, since Caleb started Redneck Tech, there's been a lot of people. Yeah, but there used to not be so many. (laughs) That's what I'm saying.
0: Um, But that is our niche. That's our take on it. And let's say we wanted to go do a web show. Well, we could go do a web show, and we would still film hunts, but it would be about us filming hunts, which would be a little bit of a different angle. Like you said, with Make It Happen, we're still filming the hunts, but that angle is how can people who uh, you know, maybe don't have the time, don't have the money or uh, haven't done this type of hunt before, how can they make it happen? Like, how can you go do these dream hunts that you've always wanted to do and not break the bank both time and financially? You know, uh, you've got somebody like Dudley who uh, obviously has a, a giant library of content, but when we go film hunts, yes, we're filming the hunts, but also... Dudley is using those hunts as a tool to educate people on bow hunting, uh, particularly. You know, so if you really go look at the people who are successful online doing web shows, uh, like Clay said, you've always got. Hey, it, yes, it is a hunting web show, but they usually have a niche or uh, something more specific to say and to provide through that hunt. The hunt, it's not just, oh, here's a hunt, right? That hunt is usually a means to uh, explore a different concept or a a different style or something like that. Um, I think it's also important to note that when you're thinking of a concept, especially for a web show, you want it to be repeatable. You want it to be something that you can do uh, regularly. If you come up with something so niche and so unique uh that you can only do it one or two times. Well, that's not really a web show, that's more of a short film. Right? If you're looking to have a web show, you're going to have to produce content or you're going to want to you don't have to do anything. You're a free person, you live in America, I assume, except for we do have some listeners who don't live in America. Uh but overall, you're a free person, you can do what you want. Uh so you don't have to make it repeatable, but again, if we're Talking about how to have a successful web show, then you do need to have some degree of repeatability and consistency. And so when you're thinking of a content uh, concept, you need to factor that in, you know, like the make it happen. We can do all kinds of things relating to that make it happen concept. There are so many different hunts uh, and ways that we can go about finding hunts to do. And doing them cheaply, or doing them time efficiently, or whatever it is that we know that we could do that concept for one, two, three, five, ten seasons if we wanted to. Um, so it's important to just think, hey, can I do this over and over and over again? Can I can I do the same concept with a maybe a different setting or a different uh, animal or a different place or maybe a slight different variation on this? Um, Idea a bunch of different times. Uh, And again, also brandable. Like, is it something that you can make a brand? Is it something that people will connect to? Uh, Is it something that you'll be able to build an audience around? Uh, There's a lot of great ideas out there. There's a lot of great things to do content wise, uh, but not all of them are something that you can create a brand out of. Some of them are just cool one off ideas. Um, and maybe some of them are a little too niche. I hate to say it. I, I More and more, I feel like just with however many humans are on social media and the internet these days, there is no such thing that's too niche. Um, but you can certainly, again, if you're looking for a web show that has <coughs> the ability to maybe one day um, start bringing in money to cover its own costs to... Um, become a full-time career, then you're going to need something that has enough people or has enough marketability to bring in either the sponsor dollars or other uh, avenues of money. So, you know, all things to think about uh, when coming up with a concept. And I know we spent a lot of time on that, but I think that it's a very important part of the web show process that I think a lot of people overlook.
3: I think it's more important than the rest of everything we're going to talk about.
0: Right. If you don't have a good concept, you're not going to be successful.
3: Gears kind of important platforms kind of important, right? But the rest of the story and why you're doing it and actually being the people that are doing it successfully Mm -hmm. is more important than the rest of it. You could film the whole thing on a Nokia flip phone. From two thousand two, and if it was engaging and had a good story, and you were still doing cool things that people wanted to see, they would still watch it. Right, and almost in today's world, the low production value is becoming something that people are gravitating towards.
2: And is, I hate that. Yeah, as a, I can't watch any of
3: it. As a videographers and photographers, is terrible. Like
2: I, like the hunting public, for example, I think they kind of like created that path for that kind of long form, not really edited. And oh, there's so so many people in so many niches of the hunting world. It's but, so yeah. educational, the hunting public, and that's what they focus on. They focus on the education and doing it low budget. And I every time I watch an episode, there's two or three things that I learn, but I have a minor heart attack every time I watch it, like <laughs> – I, I physically cannot Dude, will sit there and talk for three minutes and they did nothing but junk cut the whole thing. And I yeah. get it. That's not what, like they're not there for production value. They're there to educate and they do an amazing job at that. But I can't, I can sit there and play it on my TV or my phone and go do other things and listen. So I don't have to watch it, but sit there and watch it. I can't do it.
3: Yeah. There's so many guys that their entire thing's filmed on a GoPro. And they're not a new GoPro, like a Hero 6. And there's and other people
2: like, that, that won't what watch. Are you doing? There's people that won't, I'm sure that won't go watch our stuff because it doesn't feel relatable because it's done a high production value. Oh, I guarantee so, it. So there's both ends of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and again, it just goes to show there. Are, everybody. There's so many ways to do a show. And there's a lot of ways you can differentiate yourself. Um, but you have to know those things going forward. You know, and again, why are you doing it? Um, are you doing it because you want to build a mass audience? Um, are you doing it because you want to see yourself on camera? Are you doing it because, uh, you kind of want to be an influencer? The uh, Which are terrible reasons, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that. Uh, I don't know. I I think wanting to be a host is a fine enough reason. There's some people out there that do honestly want to do that, and they would be good at it. And they would be good at it. Um I think that's a rare person. Uh but we already talked about that. If if that's your goal, then that style of content serves that purpose. If your goal is to be a, somebody making a living as a freelancer on the content creation side, getting hired by a production company, getting hired by a brand to do in-house production work, that concept is not going to get you where you want to go. Um you're going to need to do something that shows off your skills as somebody behind the camera. Uh, and that show doesn't do that. If you're somebody who just wants to educate people, maybe that kind of concept works. Or maybe you educate people with high production value. Um, or maybe there's 4 million things you can do. But when you're thinking of these things, always come back to why am I doing that? Is it unique? Um is it is it a new angle? Is it a new take? Is it novel? Uh, and is it is it ultimately getting me closer to my ultimate goal? And if your ultimate goal is you just want to film hunts and put them up there because it's fun for you to do it, then, hey, as long as you're having fun doing it, then you're reaching your goal, right? Um, obviously. I think I I always feel the need to say that because I know there's guys that, they don't necessarily want to be hosts. They're not looking for a career in the industry. They're not looking to be a freelancer. They just enjoy to do it. Um, and 100%, like, if you're just doing it for the enjoyment of it, then as we go through and as you're thinking about it, just think, well, is is the effort that I'm putting in, like, am I having fun doing it? And if you're having fun doing it, then you've reached your goal. You know? We just always try to... Um, speak to all of the different ranges of things that you can do with this. And obviously our expertise lies in doing it for a living and as a career. So a lot of what we say
3: that people do this stuff for fun.
0: Yeah. A lot of what we say just subconsciously biases, biases itself towards doing it as a career because that's where all of us have ended up. And honestly, most of the questions that we get is from people Wanting to, at some point, do this uh, in some capacity. So, Yeah, I physically have to remind myself that people hunt and fish for fun because I've done it professionally
3: for 10 years. Yeah. And I just, like, forget that that's a hobby for some people. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So if while while we're talking about this and we're talking about all these, hey, you know, you're wanting to work towards success and money and building an audience and and building a portfolio for for brands to see and that's not your thing – that's totally fine. Take what is useful to you and uh, throw the rest out, and do your thing, and have fun with it, and enjoy it. And if you're also doing this for a career, Can still have that fun with it. Have fun with a, it. Have like fun a little with motivational
3: it? S- sign right here. What? i will have to pull the audio, but it was very inspirational. It was kind of like a live, laugh,
2: love quote. That makes up for the outburst he had today.
0: <laughs> we don't talk about that, okay? Let's
2: get to the fun stuff. This is the
0: fun stuff for me. Gears the fun stuff. Actually, the fun stuff is the style. Uh, yeah, we can but take that part out of your notes. Uh, <laughs> I think it's also important to note, if you are doing this for a career, have fun with it. If you get to a point where you're hating yourself and you're hating it, uh, reevaluate what it is that you're doing and figure out how to have fun with it. Uh, if you're not having fun, then you're doing life wrong and you, you need to have fun somehow. Also, this is not a sustainable career path if you're not having fun if you're not enjoying it and you're not having fun doing it um, you you're gonna burn out and you're then it's really gonna be tough for you so that being said, moving forward um more basics name see above make it unique make it novel make it brandable okay there's <laughs> There are a lot of names and and uh just make it unique, okay? I this is probably gonna offend some people and I'm sorry this is not an attack on anybody personally. Well, you know, because I'm
2: about <coughs> to say it so if you I know, don't I'll say, say it, it. I'll say I'll take this. And I'll back it up. I'll back Kay. you up. I got you.
0: Um if this is your if you have a name like this, I'm sorry. I'm a proponent of tough love, and sometimes uh, the truth needs to be said. There are some names that are unique, and I'm honestly real, real, I'm done seeing them. I think there's, you can do better. You can do better. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Okay? Because I know the potential inside of you, and you can do better. If you have something, and then just like outdoors at the end of it. Trash. Not trash, but it's. No, it's trash. It's. Do better. There you, you are so be many. You there are hundreds and hundreds. It's, I feel like people are just like, my name is Ryer, and I'm, I have a hunting brand. And so what is that? It's the outdoors. So now I'm Ryer Outdoors.
3: You know what really is unfortunate about that, though? On the flip side, like from an engagement standpoint, it does super well. I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the like as, far, as far as search engines go oh, it does algorithms. Like does the SEOs well. and keywords. Yeah. Yeah. hate does, that so much. It does very well. I see
3: what you're saying from but that's also in the same like my business is falls in the same category. I just happen to take photo and media and slam it together after wildlife, so, yeah, I mean,
0: and you could always come up with a unique name sucks. and then just put like outdoors somewhere and yeah. get the get the thing It is bad though I'm just saying there is seven million not. I hate this because I use hyperbole and, no, then, I, and no, then I correct you're myself close
2: because at, <laughs> at one point four or five years ago, Caleb counted that there were over 300 network outdoor television TV shows outdoor mm. outdoor television TV shows, not television web shows, television TV shows. Seriously? Yeah. 300 between the three networks and like six of them only got watched. Well, no, what I'm saying Ed, is those cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to have. So imagine how many more of those are on YouTube where it's free a lot. Yeah. So many. Yeah. That's what we're saying
0: is, one, there are so many web shows. You have to be unique somehow. You got to be unique. You and your buddies going hunting with uh, me and my buddies outdoors name, There, you're literally one in a crowd. Like imagine every single sorority in the entire country gets together in one space. You're just like one of the just,
2: you guys. Gal uh, pals inside one of the sororities. There's a certain, you know, stereotype
0: with sororities that they all kind of look the same, especially when they go to their events. That's, imagine you are one of them, but now it's just you and your buddies in the outdoors. That's the same. Like, you have to stand out somehow. You have to stand out somehow. And obviously a concept and a name, uh, logo, do something cool.
3: Yeah, the fire department that I was on back home, we had a like hunting buddies and one of the captains was like, Oh, we should call it Brotherhood Outdoors. And yeah. we all had like t shirts and stuff. But like that's the most generic name possible. I'm sure, e- if you Googled every brotherhood outdoors nine hundred of them.
0: How about no?
3: <laughs> but well, that's a every good example of something that's right. really cool for you and your buddies. And like for us it was fun. But like as anything outside world.
0: It's trash. It's just that it's been, there's so many iterations of it. Mm-hmm. And it like, I put this in here, make sure it isn't taken. Because also I have your logo, social media. Once you figure out your name, you need to go create an account with that name everywhere. Even if you're not going to use the platforms go get the name, go get the website, whatever. But before you do all that, make sure it isn't taken by either another brand that you didn't even know existed or somebody else, or it's super, super close to something.
3: Gosh, that is a hard part about naming a company.
0: Yeah, like do a little market research and figure out. Like I, I'm 100%, uh, I say this from personal experience. When I was working in California, we rebranded to the community show. Guess what I didn't know existed? The community show, is a, <laughs> like and an actual Mr. Rogers neighborhood. No, the community show is actual. Um, it's an actual show. It's an actual show about like a community, co- a group of people at community college, which makes sense. That's on TV. You'll never. You want to get discovered online, and you tell people go look up at the community show. They they don't see the community show, the hunting one. They see the community show that's been viewed by millions of happy Americans. In their households if and on all streaming that. services. Or if
2: you were to like name your show "Crushing Bucks TV" or something, someone were to Google that, you'd never be found. The Crush of Lee and Tiffany would show up every single time. Right.
0: But think about the Crush now. Before there was the Crush, when they name it, the Crush that happens
3: with "Make It Happen" too.
0: Yeah. 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 It's
3: super hard to discover that. Yeah. I pretty much have to search the name of the
2: episode. 'Cause our social media guy doesn't do a very good job, but I didn't name the show.
0: <laughs> we were not we we're not involved in the name. But it's a good show name. It just is a it's kind of a common phrasing.
3: It's a good thing to reference in yes. this aspect and something to pay attention to.
0: Go go do a little market research. When you think you have a name, Go, to, go search that name on YouTube. Go search that name on Google. So go search that name on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok or whatever. And go see. It's really
3: amazing how many names, like, you can come up with. Like, write a list down and then start Googling stuff. Yeah. Like, when I was trying to name my construction company out of college, there like, weeks of me coming up with names and stuff that I thought was super unique that I'd never heard of. And you Google it. And the guy like three counties over has got that already named. And
2: you're like, what the heck? Or you find one and then it's not taken. Everything's perfect. And then you try for another month to figure out how you can make a relatable logo for it. Mm -hmm. The logoing is
0: hard. Um, Between your name and your logo, there has to be enough information there for people to like kind of understand what it is that they're going to be looking at and viewing. And And that's need to touch the book by the cover. Yeah. Um, and that's with anything, but that's your storefront people. So again, if you're doing it for just for fun, uh, you know, maybe you just have some fun with it, design it yourself. If you're doing this because maybe at some point you'd like to monetize it, then it could be worth uh, consulting with and hiring a graphic designer to build a logo and a set of graphic assets. A re- surrounding that logo for your brand. Gotta love a good graphics package. Yes, uh, I somehow forgot to talk about put that in here actually. So that will go back. That's
3: my favorite. Somewhere approach a brand and then they send you the whole graphics package, God, and you're just it. like, oh, love you guys. Thank you. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> and when we say graphics package, we're talking like a square logo, a uh, horizontal logo that's made for video. Um, multiple iterations of the same kind of design that can be used in a variety of different applications. We're talking for black backgrounds. We're talking for white backgrounds. Maybe we've got color. Maybe we have no color. Like, How about when they send you the fonts? How Oof. about when they send you the, the freaking Adobe Illustrator, all, all of it in Adobe Illustrator, mm. and yeah. then you can just export any size you want? Mm. It's a beautiful day. You would be surprised how many companies that have a lot of money and are doing a lot of business do not send us, the, the people who do their production, a diverse set of graphical assets. And I have to go onto their website and pull it. If
1: you
3: were somebody who really wanted to hustle, that would be a good little business to design mm. graphics packages for all these companies and just assemble it. And then just sell it to them.
2: Yeah, it's called Fiverr.com.
0: No, like you'd have to just do it and send it to them. and Be like, if you want it, pay me that money. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it'd be a numbers game, but or you, you could take some time. You could also just message companies and be like, "Hey, do you guys have a good graphics package?" Well, I mean, that if was not, more when I yeah. where my head went at first, first but, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So get the graphics package. Keep track of the graphics package. When if you hire a graphics Graphical uh, graphic designer. There it is. My entire head went blank. If you hire a graphic designer, um, they're probably going to send you a a folder with a bunch of stuff in it. Keep track of it for the love of God, please, for your own sake, and if you ever need somebody else to create something for you, for their sake as well, because when you create this list of assets. They're going to be used until you create a new list of assets in everything. Your your social medias, your website, um, they're going to be all over your videos. It's, do not take the logo creation lightly. Make something cool. Make something that you can live with for like five to ten years and um, And make it versatile, but also make it so that people know what it is. And now we know why it's so hard to develop logos. It's a very difficult thing to do, but if you put the time into it uh, and you make something that you're happy with, then uh, it pays off in the end. Okay. Also, you want to look good on hats. True. Yes. And shirts. Hats and shirts. And if you have a cool logo that people want hats, shirts, and stickers of, oh, suddenly you have another monetary stream. Yeah. Yeah. Also, good sticker. send us more stickers. See, another thing that we need to put over here. Oh, gosh. Well, remind me. Or we could just say it now. You
3: were, you were terrible with note cards as a kid, weren't you?
0: Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, when they were oh, like, no. hey, first of all, highlighting. Highlight the important passages, Every all of it, except for the ands and ifs. <laughs> <laughs> highlighting didn't help me at all. Oh, I'm man. very, I'm. I have a very hard time with deciding what, Especially when they're like... Some of this may be on a test. You're like, which parts? I don't know. Um, Okay, now now is the part that everybody always asks us. This is the questions that we always get. And this is not a comprehensive list. I will say it again. This is not a comprehensive list. This is a general idea list of where you might fall monetarily if you were to pick some of these options. Um, And the reason we're doing this here and not there is because... uh, Y'all needed to hear about the concepts and the basics before we got into the gear. We're going to talk about gear. We're going to talk about what you need. Um, This is a very minimal list and not at all comprehensive. And there are four. It's not. It looks more comprehensive than it is, I promise. Uh, There are so many options out there. And a week after we talk about this, there will be more options. So looks I'm, pretty comprehensive. I'm kind of just trying to give you guys an idea of where you could be um and what kind of stuff you should be looking for. Um but like I said, it's not at all comprehensive. Also, Tim, I have been seeing your YouTube comments. Um and we are getting to some of those things in a bit, so that's why I haven't answered them. I'm I not you just slide in and interrupt. I'm not, huh? Tim. Well, I just want him to know that we're know, we're getting to them. Him. Uh, ask yearly if they have logo changes to make sure they didn't change anything in the past year. Yeah, we do that with a lot of the clients, but sometimes they just don't. Did you take my pen? No. Your pen is on your computer. Oh, it literally disappeared. It's right here. <laughs> I saw you throw something. I thought it was my pen. I was like, why would you didn't do that? didn't throw anything. Okay, so gear-wise, um, I have created... Three tiers, one with a half tier, because there was kind of like an in-between tier. Uh, but tier one is very base level, like what I would consider the minimum outside of filming on like a GoPro or an iPhone or just like a $300 handycam that you could get from Walmart. We're not going to talk about that. If you want to do it, get after it. Um, I don't need to suggest that to you. Uh, tier one is very, very base Uh, what I would recommend, quote-unquote. Then we've got Tier 2. Obviously, kind of the in-between. Tier 2 is honestly where, if you're kind of looking to do this as a career, if you're looking to have a web show that um, has any staying and going power and maybe can draw some sponsorship dollars or or an audience, I would say Tier 2 is kind of where you're looking. Uh, And then... Tier three is like, oh, we're real serious about this, or you're us, um, or you just have a lot of money that you need to hide from the government in assets. Um, I don't.
3: I mean, hamburger is expensive, but I don't know it's, if it's investing it's <laughs> money. No, expensive. no, no. But, it's it, not, is, it, but it is. But it is write-offable.
2: Well, and it's an asset that current constantly needs updated. Like every three to four years, you could update it and get away get away with it. Or you just want the freaking best
0: of the best. Some people just want awesome gear and they got the money they can spend on it. Five
1: hundred
0: mil F four. (laughs) Ugh. And this awesome gear two eight. This awesome gear stops at like kind of the T like you could you can produce a TV show at industry standard level with that gear. There's a whole other wish list of gear past Tier 3. Like, we're talking no, we're Tier 4
3: 5. We're not getting into Star Wars.
2: What was in Utah on... Elk? No, on that rod system that the sick guy had. Was that a 50 to 130 or a 50 to 1300? Oh, I forgot uh, I think it was a fifty yeah. to thirteen hundred. I need to have
0: James send was, me the picture of it. It
2: was so expensive. It wasn't even in f stops. It was on t stops. That's how you know the lens was expensive.
0: Well, it was a cinema lens. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, we right. and we're not out, we're not probably going to talk a whole lot about lenses either, um, because there's too many to choose from. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a whole there's more tiers past tier three. But we're talking practically. So
3: tier one. Yeah, we're talking about web shows.
0: Yes, we are talking about web shows. Um, that you're doing for yourself. Not network television shows and or movies. <laughs> or Netflix standard stuff, whatever it may be. Um, the thing I just said. So tier one, if you're going to film something, you need a camera. Um, basically kind of where I would start tier one is you're going to want a camera with 4K capabilities and a top handle that allows you some audio capabilities. That's Do you, kind you of really need 4K? You don't really need 4K, but like at this point,
2: I mean, most you're only saving a couple
0: hundred dollars by not getting a 4K camcorder, and
2: I, I think it's going to actually save you money in the long run. Because if all you can afford is a 24 to 105, like you want the best all-around lens you can get, you can get a 24 to 105. Well, tier
0: one doesn't have even detachable lenses.
2: I know, but what I'm yeah. just saying is, like, if you were 24 to 105 and then 4K, yeah, it's basically, basically a 48
0: two, to 210. Exactly.
2: So it can save you some money in the long end. So yes. Good point.
0: So. I think the base, and, of course, you can get just a 1080 camcorder. There's, I will call them legacy camcorders or legacy video cameras um, that are 1080, uh, and you can find them. You can find them on eBay, whatever it is. Uh, Another caveat, you can find all these things probably on eBay for a little bit less money than what it is new. We do that with a lot of stuff. Um, I will we can talk about which things are better or worse to find on eBay, but most of the time you should be perfectly fine finding things on eBay. A lot of our stuff comes from eBay. So, um, tier one camera, something with 4k with a top handle with audio capabilities. Um, I found a Canon X a 40 is kind of where you'd be looking at. And it's $1,500. You can get a kit that's got batteries and cards and all kinds of stuff for about $2,400. Um, the first,
2: first camera I ever owned was an XA20. Yeah. So, the, and the only difference in those, they make a 10, 20, 30, 40, is the optical zoom. So, the mm-hmm. XA20's got 20-time optical zoom, the 40's got 40-time. That's optical. how the yeah.
3: Sony equivalent yeah. is as well.
2: Yeah,
0: and there's, a, uh, like I said, there's hundreds of choices that you have here. Uh, I'm just saying that I would choose something with 4K, something that you can put a shotgun microphone on potentially, Um And you're probably going to be looking at about $1,500. Of course. A lot of those have XLR
3: parts, on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (coughs) That's kind of what I'm looking at with the top handle. Because the very next section is you're going to want a microphone. Um, You can do something like a Rode VideoMic 1 or 2, which is its own separate microphone that you put into a hot shoe and you run like a 3.5 millimeter, uh, which is your standard like aux cord, into the camera. If you, they have 3.5 millimeters to XLR adapters if you needed to put it into an XLR, um, but those are about as cheap as you can go. And I think the base level is a seventy dollar one. For the um, video, might go one for the two is like ninety bucks. Um, that's an option for you. You can also go with just a kind of a typical on-camera uh, shotgun microphone, like a Sony ECM V61 short shotgun. That's two hundred bucks. Um, I've had the same short shotgun on my camera for like seven years. So some of this stuff you can really go super cheap, but if you plan on doing it for a long time, I personally think there are items that are worth spending the extra money on because you could just use them from camera to camera to camera, to camera, and they're not um, going to be outdated and they're not going to be outdated. Uh, m- both of those are one of those things. Um, the next one is definitely one of those things. Um, but, like I said, if you're just doing a really budget thing, uh, I would say you need a tripod. And so I found on BNH a Magnus VT300 combo. 79 bucks. It's uh, aluminum sticks with a fluid head. I'm sure for $79, it's not a great fluid head, but it's a fluid head. Uh, if you are doing video, you need a fluid head. They have photo heads the, and they are cheaper, and photo tripods are cheaper. But when you're doing video, you need the ability to pan and tilt your camera smoothly, and a video head allows you to do that. Photo heads don't have that built-in resistance that a fluid head would have, and so you're going to get those weird jittery pans because, again, it's just not, as, it's not built for video. Um, a good
2: video head, you can loosen the pan and the tilt all the way and you can set your camera upright at level and when you let go your camera should not tilt no. it should not like it's not always going to stay perfectly level but it should not slam all the way forward or all the way back it should have those resistances you were talking about you should have the ba- ability to balance the camera
0: on top of it and also some sort of resistance in both the pan and the tilt axes of it um like I said, that combo $79. So that's pretty dirt cheap. Um, then you can go and get like a Manfrotto 290 extra aluminum. And it is $200. And I think it comes with a Manfrotto head on there. Um, a couple things. Obviously, I said fluid head. I personally am a fan of, if I'm picking out a tripod, I want one that has the twist locks. So like they screw they use a screwing motion to lock the leg into place as opposed to the clasp or clamp locks. Uh, if you use it for enough time, those everything shrinks and becomes loose. The clamp locks will at some point not be able to properly clamp onto the legs, and so you'll have to get new sticks. Or Whereas, they, will br- they will break on an airplane. Yeah. Mm.
3: I was going to say, you can tighten those for a lot. I mean... Yeah. You can get a lot of years out of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could get a lot of years out of it. I just think the the twist ones give you a little bit more
2: ability to just I wrench down. Al- I it. always told myself I'd never buy a twist lock tripod, and then I flew to Kansas for a hunt before I started working for Copeland Creative, and I got there, and one entire set of latches on one of the legs, it snapped off. So that entire one leg, like all three sections, just... Freely slipped up and down, and I said, I'll never buy another one.
3: Mm. I actually like my clamp ones. Do yeah. they're, they're definitely faster. They are they're faster. They're much faster, 100%. I, I, it drives me absolutely, I don't like tripods to start with, but it drives me nuts to have to sit there and fiddle with that, and like loosen it and tighten it, and like, you're in a blind. I just want to open it, I want it to do what I want, and then I want to close
0: it and be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just me it's become second nature to me so yeah. I, I just yeah. kind of do it on the run the other thing is i think a twist a twist system can potentially be quieter than a lock system because you don't have a hard stop and start um where why it probably not a whole bunch like the twist still make some noise um, but yeah. at least it's kind of a little bit of a softer noise yeah. sometimes and but i said potentially i mean not all of the uh, clamp, like, lever locks are going to make noise, yeah. and you can do it to where they don't make noise if you've just got some skills. Um, but the clamp locks have the potential, to, or the twist locks, I feel like, can be quieter yes, sometimes. 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 Um, past the tripod, if you're filming from a tree, you're going to need a camera arm. You... Uh, I, w- I think the only company really right now making camera arms is Fourth Arrow. There's there's um, a few other companies. Is there
3: yeah. a- Muddy still makes camera arms.
0: Yeah, but they don't make the big ones. No,
3: but for yeah. Tier 1, doesn't matter. Right. Even Tier 2, it doesn't matter. Right. Because um, I, I have one
2: that I like. The, yeah, the smaller version of what yeah. we have. Yeah, yeah, Um,
3: That's held up for me. Heck, I was running my D850 with my 200 to 500 on it. Didn't yeah. I didn't have an issue. Um, and then there's a couple, like, weird... I'm not going to remember their
2: names, but there's a couple, like, niche companies.
1: On a limb. Out yeah, there. there's, oh, there's yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there's, there's, l- there's literally a company that makes, like, a frickin' dolly that you stand up and mount, like, the ratchet and harness and system, everything, like, like, head level, and then you sit down and literally, like, a dolly crane arm, like, comes down in front of you. Yeah, I always thought that'd be fun to play with. I'd love to see you set one of those up. It seems... I, why are you saying that? Because I'd love to see you get
0: mad. I I don't ever get mad at my freaking. I do. Um, I'm fine at setting up a tree arm. No, I'm talking about the giant dolly yeah, arm it, thing that would come. Yeah, out. that's not quite the most practical. It's a cool <laughs> thing. I don't think it's very practical. Like, but he's it's a cool, niche.
3: He's niche. Range of motion would be incredible on that thing, though. Yeah, it's a cool
0: idea. It's a really where, good idea, and where in do the you right film, everywhere. Okay, got you. And in the right application, it. I'm sure it's an awesome thing to have. Um, it's not super utilitarian, in my opinion. Um, my point was just there are other companies out there besides Fortero yeah. that make yeah. camera arms. And for for a camera as small as, like, what we said at the tier one, you can probably get, like, their base base model. Um, and you're probably looking at anywhere from 100 to $200, maybe 250
3: Yeah, and I mean, like, all this stuff, you could go on, like, Bedford Camera and get this all in a package. Yeah. They're, I mean, said and done from camera arm to camera. Mm -hmm. Boom, done. You're ready for hunting season. Yep. In your tier one. Yep. I wouldn't buy one of their packages if you were going to go into a different tier than that, but... Yeah. If you want to just start...
0: I forgot about Bedford Camera. That's the thing. That's the strange... There's a strange thing that happens once you, like... Once you get out of filming with kind of like the video camcorders, um, the companies that provide equipment for, for like, filming hunts no longer have the things that you need. Like, I think, I feel like Campbell Cameras was the last company that sold, at that time, it would have been DSLRs and stuff like that. um, And, like, pro-level cameras. Past... Then they don't. They're not in business anymore.
3: I mean, Bedford does. They they? sell all that stuff. Yeah, their stock's not always well. Hasn't been very good the last couple of years. But neither is any camera store. So yeah. Um. But yeah, they they stock all that stuff.
0: Interesting. I just we just always go to B and H, I guess, or Adorama
2: or Amazon. Here's another thing: if you have a, uh, if you're a college student, Adorama will give you a college discount. Really. Yeah, we squeaked a few things out of that when I first started working When you here. went to college for nine years? Yeah. Nice. I think we bought, like, a substantial amount of money, discounted at, like, 30%. Did
3: we? I That's good so. to know, honestly. I mean, yeah.
0: there's a lot of things with student discounts. There's and if a lot you, of
3: guys that are still in college that listen to this.
1: and
0: Yeah. And there's probably a lot of guys who maybe have... Wife a wife education. or a girlfriend or maybe a sister or a brother with a .edu email. And I mean, yeah. you might be able to leverage that potentially, allegedly.
2: So I've been I told can't say more than by that. a guy one time maybe. Yeah, I heard <laughs> that I might know.
0: Yeah, you might be able to leverage that for some discounts, if you know what I mean. Do with that information what you will. Uh, this is not legal advice. Tier 1.5. Um, 1.5? Hmm? Yes, because I didn't feel like it was that different from Tier Remember, 1. Remember,
3: this wasn't a comprehensive list.
0: It wasn't that different than Tier 1, but I didn't feel like it was enough to make it Tier 2. So some additions to Tier This basically...
3: It's tiered. It's still Tier
0: 1. Basically, yeah. Tier 1.5 is you've moved out of like a 4K, non-interchangeable lens camera system, and you're going to get a, a base-level DSLR or, or mirrorless. It's probably going to be an APS-C sensor, which is not full frame. And you're looking at something like a Canon 90D, which is uh, about $1,200 for the body. You can get a kit that has an 18-35mm to 35 mil lens um, for, I think that's $1,500. You can go with a Sony a6600, which is kind of the equivalent for $1,400. You've got the Canon EOS R, which is a mirrorless APS-C from Canon. The 90D is a DSLR. So it actu- it has a mirror in there. Uh, and it's $1,500. And Nikon has one?
3: Z30 uh, and Z50 in the mirrorless. And then there's uh, like a myriad of uh, yeah. DSLRs that would be comparable as well in the Nikon world.
0: Yeah. So um, that's pretty much, I'm going to say 1.5 because you may or may not be looking at a little bit more expensive, um, and you're in an interchangeable lens system, so you're also going to have to buy lenses. Um, but now you're, the, the advantage of going that route is going to be some of the image characteristics. You're going to have interchangeable lenses, obviously. Uh, lenses do a lot for your image, um, both how it looks, and it allows you to have the range you could put a really wide le- angle lens on it, or you could put a really, uh, really powerful zoom lens on it. With a non-interchangeable system, you can't do that. Uh, you're also able to start tapping into, you know, your depth of field, your more cinematic look. So, um,
3: I do kind of think though that if you're somebody that's just looking to film your hunts, um, and really just doesn't isn't going to get into photography, in the hunting sphere.
0: Interchange the non-interchangeable lens or a camcorder is. Yeah,
3: a straight-up video camera is so much more advantageous than having to mess with something that's not necessarily made for video. Mm -hmm. It just in the way that a DSLR mirrorless is not set up for video. It does video; they do video very well, and they're designing them more and more for it now. But yeah, a strictly video camera is set up for it. These are the buttons. These are the functions.
0: Done. Yeah, and, and, if, and if you're self-filming, too, a lot of guys who self-film prefer a setup like that. Well, that's that's why I have that um, Sony
3: HXR, mm-hmm. because it's just a video camera. And you just, I don't have to mess with all of the 900 different settings to get yeah. it to do what I want it to do, like my Nikons. Right. While my Nikons make really good footage, they're not
0: set up just to video.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And again, that goes back to the goals. Are you looking to just do this because it's fun or or you're self-filming or you just don't necessarily have the time or experience to mess with a more advanced or or not necessarily advanced but a more hands-on camera system? Something like what we said with the the XA40 or above because you can go get um, video cameras for... $2,500, $3,500. $2,500, $3, $3,500. Keep going, yeah. Yeah, you can get, I mean, they can get pretty expensive um, and not have interchangeable lenses or anything like that. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's an option you want to explore. If you're looking to have something that looks professional or that you're able to start kind of learning, exploring, and demonstrating your capabilities as an artist, then I would advise you to go more of the uh, DSLR mirrorless uh, digital cinema camera route.
2: Also, because
0: that's, those are the cameras that are going to start to give you
2: the artistic uh, options that you will want. Also, if you're doing this to eventually get into the freelance game or have a web show with sponsors, the people that hire you are going to have, photo requirements. So if Mm -hmm. you can only afford one camera, get the DSLR mirrorless type because you can video and photo on that. Yep. So good call. Good call on that clay. And that brings us
0: into tier two, which is going to be your full frame mirrorless. And this is a tier that guys work professionally inside of this tier. So it's, it's a very capable tier. Um, There are a lot of options in this tier as far as cameras go and as far as lenses go and as far as microphones go. Um, But I'm going to kind of give you a general idea of some of the ones uh, right now that guys are running and kind of what they cost so that you have an idea. But just know there are 4 million options. And for each one of these that I give you, there's probably six that are pretty similarly comped and they all have just a little minor difference from each other. So, uh, and within the companies. I mean, geez, Sony's freaking camera lineups are insane. Their mirrorless camera lineups are crazy. I can't even keep track of and them. And the naming is awful. Yeah, I it makes my head hurt. Um, but boy, do
3: you feel really good when you're like, hey, I know, I know exactly what that one is, and that one, and that one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Clay's really good at that. I'm Sony, terrible. Sony's, yeah. So... We're starting to look at full-frame mirrorless. Uh, there are full-frame DSLRs. You can film on the full-frame DSLRs. Uh, I did it in, in British Columbia earlier this year. Um, but I would say that if this is going to be your main camera that you're filming on, I would, I would say go with the mirrorless. They usually have better video options. Um, you've got your Canon R5. We've got one of those. It's about 3400 for the body. You've got a Sony A7S III, $3,500 for the body. Uh, Nikon Z7 II, $3,000 for the body. Um, And then Panasonic's got a GH6. Uh, Caveat, it's a micro four-thirds sensor, so not a full frame, and it's about $2,000, but I've seen
2: people use them, and they produce a pretty good image. They have a full frame one. I can't remember. It's something, something, something one. We used it in the panhandle when I went on that boat trip. Oh, okay. Um, can't remember what it's called, but they make a full frame one that was nice, and it was, it's like four thousand something like that.
0: I'm sure most
2: most yeah. companies will have a full frame
0: uh, right. camera body right. that is, and and I'm cameras sure are beginning. Camera companies are beginning to, like I said, with content. It used to be there was just general, and now we've got all these niches. Camera companies are doing the same thing; they're creating cameras for niches, and you could have two or three cameras that have probably 90% of the same capabilities, but maybe they're biased a little bit more towards a video shooter. Maybe this one's biased a little bit more to a um, a uh, commercial photography shooter, and this one's biased towards somebody who takes their camera out in the field and shoots. You know, like there's so many options here, which is why we can't possibly go over any of them. But overall, you're pro- at Tier 2, you're looking at $3,500 plus um before just the body yeah and then obviously you need to get lenses that's a whole other discussion but i wrote down here like if i was going to go get lenses on kind of a budget um i'm looking at the uh canon ef lenses unless you're running the rf cameras but that's
2: if you're running the RF cameras, you know you're running the RF cameras. But, but if you get the RF camera, like, you can get an EF like, adapter. like we did, you get the adapter. I think it's 100 bucks, and then yeah. you can get, because now that they have their new mount, which is the RF mount, all their EF glass, which is their, quote, older glass, which is still amazing because we still use it, is going to be cheaper. So you can spend $100 on an adapter, get the lenses cheaper, and then. Yeah. So
0: if I was doing it, I would just go with the F4 versions. Of the big three as I like to call them. So you've got your Canon EF twenty four to one oh five F four, a Canon sixteen to thirty five F four, and a Canon EF seventy to two hundred F four. Um the first two are about thirteen hundred dollars, the last one's fifteen hundred dollars, so you're one, two, three, about four oh, grand. That's, that's their retail price, brand new out of the box. Right now, yeah. Especially because I think they've got the RF ones. Yeah. Wow, that's and like very cheap. It's, no, it's not bad. Uh, and those are F fours, they're not F two point eights. Yeah. You could step down and get a an F two point eight and they're gonna be about double. double that. Um but again, tier two we're kinda talking about a little bit more budget friendly. So also oh, how many yeah. times do you really shoot at two eight? I shoot at two eight a lot. I'm a big two eight guy. If I have it. But yeah. You're more of a seven one. Yeah, i I'm yeah. almost always at seven one. Yeah. Really? all
3: the all for photos hundred percent
2: really mm-hmm. I ain't never done heard that foe well it it it
0: gives you a little bit more sharpness, a little bit more in focus and um easier to catch focus with it, and you still have a nice depth of field yeah he's also you also shoot your your two hundred a lot
3: heck I shoot my five hundred a lot,
0: yeah, oh, so yeah. He's he's also shooting long focal lengths, which contribute to depth of field.
3: But that's a background in
0: wildlife. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, you're looking at maybe four four grand for lenses. Obviously, you can spend less than that. You can spend more than that. Um, That's just kind of my. That would be my staple carousel of lenses has been for a while. Um, I didn't get it. I, st- I have one 2.8, 70-200 now. You just recently got it. I just it. got it. And so up until now, I've been shooting F4s, Canon lenses, some kit lenses. We've got a variety of
2: different lenses that we're always trying. Now, the, a 24-105, to 105, no matter who makes it, you won't get it in a 2.8. It's always an F4. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Some Most of them like that are always. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you have lots of options. You can That's also
3: step. an icon is. Icon you can get a uh, 24 That's to 120 and a 28. Really? I'm almost positive.
0: Hmm. Probably.
3: I'm almost positive the news yeah.
0: is. But so um yeah, those are there's four million camera choices. And now because you have an interchangeable lens system, you can put probably any lens your heart desires onto it. So we're not gonna yep. go into that. Just know that you're gonna buy this, you're gonna buy the body. That's your thirty five hundred dollars. And then you're probably going to have to buy lenses and you're probably looking at at least two grand unless you only buy one lens, which you can do. Uh, Lenses are one of those things, just like tripods. You can spend money on lenses because they will transfer camera to camera within reason. Um, You could buy, if you buy a full frame lens, 70-200 2.8 and you take care of it and don't let the front elements get scratched uh, and you don't beat it to crap, then it will last a long time. You could carry that from camera to camera to camera to camera. I mean, years, years and years and years. I mean, there's professional photographers who have probably had the same lenses on their cameras for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Oh, 100%. Um, so and it's gone, one of those things. they yeah. a different body every two or three years. Yeah, so lenses do not often become outdated. Uh, at, their, at their base, it's just glass in a, in a casing with some mechanical elements that allow you to move your focus and zoom and stuff. So, uh, you know, you can spend money on those and know that you will get your money out of your investment. Lenses are also something, any of these you can get on eBay, uh, for less money. You can get any of these things for less money, especially what I gave you was kind of camera wise were kind of the newer versions, newest versions of, a mirrorless camera that is biased towards a video shooter. Um <laughs> each of these cameras has previous versions that you can find A for cheaper, B used for much cheaper, especially when people upgrade. Yeah, I was and gonna
3: say don't shy away from the used market. No, never
2: right? we've bought a, we buy a lot of stuff used. That A seven S three, I have the twenty seventeen version of it, the A seven three. Yes. I mean I'm not I'm not going out and filming elk at 250 yards with it. Mm-hmm. But if you go watch the BC episode from Lee and Tiff, that's the camera that I used. Any whitetail episode, I use it for my second angle. We use it on gimbals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my D850. Yeah. I mean, I've taken literally hundreds of thousands of pictures on that. Right. And it, I bought that used. Yeah. They're not like, and it's was like my in 20 mint condition. The A7 something. The A7. So I have the A7, just to put it in perspective, I have the A7 III. It's from 2017. Yeah, uh, Devin was saying that. $1,500 to $2,000, and it's pretty good. Yeah. So when that camera came out brand new, it was $2,500. The A7 IV just came out the beginning of this year, 2022. Mm -hmm. It has six more megapixels, and it does like four more frames a second in photo. Mm -hmm. Now, mine will shoot 4K up to 30 frames a second. It won't do 4K 120. The the new A7 IV will. But five years ago, when I bought that camera, uh, 4K 120 wasn't a thing. And to this day, it's barely a thing. We're only we're literally only shooting. We talked about this the other day. We're only shooting 4K on all of our projects because on the FX6, it doesn't bog down our cameras. Or our computers. If it shoot through our computers and editing, we'd still be using 1080. Mm -hmm. But because it's so uncompressed and the file sizes are small enough, we shoot everything 4K. Otherwise, we'd be shooting 1080 on everything still. Yeah.
0: Again, why are you doing it? What's the ultimate goal? What do you want it to look like? All of these things inform how much money you want to spend, which is a question of why. Like, how much budget do you have? Um inform a lot of these things. But that's where like the
3: you buying something used allows you to extend your budget so much better Mm -hmm. and be able to buy a little bit better piece of glass or a little bit more advanced piece of gear. Right. And get that little bit of jump on it. You know, being able to spend, maximize your budget and get the best products to make your job easier is incredibly important going into this.
2: So I will give, The people, a little hack, side note, rabbit hole of how I was able to afford my A7 III when I first bought it. So, I rented it from Lens Rentals to see if I liked it before I bought it. Mm -hmm. I paid like $200 for like four days or something. I then was going on to print my return label and everything, and I saw this thing that told me I could like add on to my length, the length of my rental. So, I went on and looked, and I could add another like week for another 200 bucks. Well, at the time, the job I had, I was getting paid every week, every Friday, so I literally just kept adding on a week every time I'd get paid until I had the camera paid off, and it was mine. You could pay it off through renting it. Well, like they would let me pay; they would let me rent it up to a certain dollar amount of what the camera was worth. So, like you could buy straight from lens, lens rental. So they would charge you basically like two or three hundred dollars more of what the camera was worth from like B and H or something. But it was basically like having it on a credit card almost. Hmm. I was able to rent it up to like 50% of what the camera was worth at one time. And then they'd made me pay the rest, but I was able to save and pay it off at the same time. That's
3: so slick. Yeah. A little
2: hack. eBay also has credit options.
3: Yeah.
0: Like the uh, eBay pay as you go thing. Yep. There's a lot of credit options yeah. for that. I've bought so
3: many things through Adorama, B&H and Best Buy credit yeah. that it's
0: disgusting. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of options. Uh, Tim says Adorama B- B&H use department. They yeah. also oh, have that's stuff true. on I there. I didn't think
2: about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's Anyways. where the 850
0: came from. Mm-hmm. This is not a gear podcast. There's a lot of ways you can get your gear. Um, this is just the things that you might want to take a look at. But don't be it's afraid not of not a gear. podcast.
3: Gear. You have 17 pages of gear. Th- well, because I have to go through it. <laughs> I think that made it a gear podcast. <laughs> it's not a gear are podcast. Are we on to
2: tier three now?
0: Not yet. We have audio. Oh. Uh, you could step it up, your audio to... You're going to need audio that will that will slide into a cold shoe and plug in but via a 3.5 millimeter adapter for most of these cameras. Um, you can do something like a Rode video mic pro for $230. Um, and a, or a Rode video mic NTG hybrid for 203. Those are both shotguns at this point. I'm also going to say you're going to need a lav mic. Uh, you could go with a Rode wireless go Two, and that's what Caleb runs right now. Um, and those are about 390 for a kit. That includes your res- your receiver, two transmitters, and microphone cables. Um, you can get it without the microphone cables for $224. Or if you just need one mic and one receiver, that's 212 and cables are 99 So
2: Also, um, I don't know if the Sonys or the Nikons do this, but... Or sorry, I don't know if the Canons or the Nikons do this, but Sony has an aftermarket... Not aftermarket, because Sony makes it. They have an additional top handle you can buy for the DSLRs that Mm -hmm. slides into the hot shoe and it gives you two XLR ports. Yep. So you can do that because in the long run, your XLR audio will be more durable. Is that the same handle that came on the FX3? Uh, Pretty similar. Basically. It's the same exact thing except for how it attaches to the camera. The one that you would buy for, like, my mirrorless doesn't have the screws that yours Mm -hmm. has. to, And yours doesn't, yeah, basically the same exact thing. Yeah. So that's neat. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, support. You can start stepping things up with a Manfrotto 500 uh, head with a 190 X aluminum tripod. That's going to be $419. I think or, that's what that is actually. I think so. Um, and then you can start kind of getting a different stick and head combination. Again, you can spend a lot of money on good support equipment. It's worth it. Um I would say if you can find uh, sticks with a bowl adapter, it's really nice. Uh, I refuse to run tripods without a bowl adapter uh, because it just makes leveling things so much easier. You don't have to level it with the one hundred percent with your stick levels. Uh, you also have the ability to do it on top of the camera with a bowl, so it's super super nice. And
2: you don't have a center pole. I, yeah, I do. No, like a center. Column post that oh. comes between the legs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you don't have one of those. So. Yeah, that blows. Um,
0: I would say at this point, you're probably looking at like Benro or Miller Sticks, and you're looking in the 200 to $500 range. Uh, and now for your head, obviously, it can be whatever you want. Uh, fluid head, uh, Benro, you're looking at $100 plus. Manfrotto, you're looking at probably a $200 plus, starting at the $502 and heading on from there. And then uh, Sackler, you're looking at six fifty plus. Again, you could if you get a really nice fluid head, you could carry that through your entire career. I know Caleb's been running the same fluid head since he started. I've had pretty much the same fluid head on mine uh, for a long time. Uh, you can. I've got. I've been through three. Really? Yeah. Oh. I had the. I One had my the
3: Manfrotto. There was a little plastic piece. that mm-hmm. was in a tree stand, and it like. Somehow I did something, and it popped off, and it fell in the creek that was below the tree. <laughs>
0: that Benro. I've literally never had anything like that happen with my Sackler, and that's why a Sackler is going to be starting at 650 and moving up from there.
2: But when you loan it to someone, and they break a screw on it, it's going to cost you $70. Yes.
0: The screw <laughs> was – I was just the final straw, and that screw's that, back. Okay?
2: That blue Boy, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that blue Benro SR6 that I had. That we now use for the slider uh, is the first video head I bought in 2018. And it finally took a dump this past year. Yeah. So.
0: You could spend a lot of money on either of those things. Uh, You're never ill-advised for getting the most best sticks and tripod head yeah. combo that you can find. They're it'll good. it'll if you spend money on it, it will last for a long time. We, there's there's two we ways we beat to the crap out of our tripods and our tripod heads and uh yeah, I love y- hearing you, every time
2: mine's in my backpack and I move and it just hits a tree. Ding.
3: And you're just like, yeah. "Oh, my soul." Yeah.
2: yeah. There's two ways to look at it too. Like if you're not doing this full time, but your plan is to do it full time later, what you can do is get the best you can afford that's not like the best of the best of the best. Like, get the Benro or the Manfrotto instead of the Sackler. Use it so that you're not completely just blowing your entire life savings hoping that this whole freelancing or web show thing works out. And then once you're finally making money and you can afford to one month buy the sockler head, then three or four months later buy the Miller sticks or the Benro mm-hmm. sticks, and then three or four months later buy the $750,000 Sony lav microphones, like, stair-step your way into it versus – once a year, for every five years, having to buy a hundred dollar Manfrotto head and tripod. Yeah, know what I mean. So, or you can, if you're have if you're wealthy enough to, or you can buy all those things right out. Obviously, one hundred percent buy them outright. But
1: yeah,
0: um, once you get to this tier, you're probably going to need a bigger camera arm, and so you're probably going to be looking at two hundred fifty, two hundred two hundred fifty dollars plus, um, to support that weight. Can uh, you still
3: find those muddy arms that you guys run?
0: No, you have to know. So, people. what's
3: the alternative?
2: There is not a good one right now. Sorry, Lauren, we cannot talk to you right now. Um, That's Lauren Brady, by the way. Sorry, I didn't want to sound rude. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded rude, but. <laughs> uh, Then
0: I would say you probably so want to start. Yes, so no. If you don't know anybody, there's. Sometimes there's, they,
2: they f- pop up on eBay. Like, we, once like Lee and Tiff have, like, seven or eight of them, and they were all. Basically, had the muddies built by a guy that they know that owns a machine shop and they're all custom made, but they're legitimately the muddies that have just been made by his buddy at a machine shop.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: But cameras are getting lighter, so you don't necessarily need one. Like the FS7, you had to have that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I had one of the fourth era, like the beefiest fourth era you could get. wasn't enough. I have that. Now same. with the FX6, you could probably get away with the beefiest fourth error or the beefiest whatever it is um have after
2: having ran the other one i don't ever want a lighter one yeah but well, i have i had the same one and i was running the fs5 which is the same people but people don't think about this like you're not putting a piece of junk head on your video on your camera arm you're taking your same fluid head off your tripod so not only do you have like yeah that might be able to hold 13 pounds but you've got an eight or nine pound camera and then you've got a four or five or six pound video head, like you've maxed that out. Mm-hmm. So on that beefy fourth arrow, I had my FS5 in that Benro head and that's as heavy as I would ever feel comfortable going. Yeah. But now the FX6 is the same size as the FS5, but it's half the weight. So if one of us got in a pinch, we could use it.
0: Yeah. Um, I think also here is when you start could looking remember. at having some mm-hmm. additional could stuff. Remember. Um. You're looking at having some POV cameras. We use the uh, Osmos. You can also use Why the GoPros. Would you use
3: anything but the Osmos? I don't know. Some people like GoPros. For half the price. You got yeah. better audio. Your footage is as good, if not better. Super stable.
0: Works with all of the
2: GoPro attachments. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Osmos, $300 for the newest one. The Hero 10 is $500. The Hero 8 is 300 The Hero 9 is 400 So... With that information, I did you almost look. buy the
3: Hero Ten when they came out with this like Creator Kit, just to try it because um, that looked pretty nifty. Yeah, they were running a really good sale on it. Came with like an external battery and like all the things to hook up with it. Mm-hmm. It actually looked pretty slick. Not gonna lie, and I really don't like GoPros, but
0: yeah, we're outspoken about our hate for GoPros. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you might also want to look at a drone. You can go as cheap as a DJI Mini Two. It's six hundred bucks. You could do a DJI Air 2 that's twelve hundred, or you could just step it straight up to the Mavic 3 Pro that's two thousand plus. Uh, I say, I'll also, I get a lot lot sillier than that. Yeah, I also keep forgetting to mention um, when you buy a camera, you're also going to need cards and batteries.
2: Um, so yeah, don't forget about that, that.
3: Don't spend your whole budget on the body because yeah,
2: <laughs> you're going to need extra cards, cards and extra batteries. Luckily, luckily if your card takes SD cards, it's not that no, bad. But yeah. like if you get We'll talk about that next. Yeah, sorry. Any camera that we ever run, well, that like the, the Sony A1 is a DSLR, and you can run well, SD. It's, not. it's a mirrorless. That's what I. That's what I meant. Sorry, it's a mirrorless. You can run SD cards in it, but you're not going to be able to do 4K 120 on it. You got to get the CF Express Type A, which is five hundred dollars a card.
0: Yeah. Um, at this level too, you probably might want to invest in like a Pelican case. You could probably fit all of your camera gear into a Pelican fifteen ten. That's going to be around 300 bucks. What's the case that you run? Nanook. A Nanook. And how much is that? Uh, like two something. Two something. About the same thing. But
3: that's fully kitted out. Yeah. yeah. With the lid organizer and everything.
2: And it fits
3: in the
0: overhead compartment oh. of an airplane. Yes. Yeah, that's
3: a super important thing. If you're just having a case that you're going to travel with, please buy something that fits in
0: the overhead compartment. Or a backpack. Just make sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a major requirement. Mm-hmm. And if you have a camera that is that size, you don't need to have the giant Pelican case for it. You can totally go. And if you're doing this for yourself and you're self-funding it, um, those baggage fees will get you. Fly, so. s-
2: fly Southwest if you're just starting out. You can't go as many places, but under 65 pounds, you get four free bags, two carry-ons and two checked under 65 pounds for for free. And the odds of you, you're funding this by yourself the odds of you having more gear than you than four bags worth is very low. So, mm. I used to do that a lot when yeah. companies wouldn't wanna, I have never lived anywhere that you could fly southwest. Really?
0: When I lived in California, I flew southwest everywhere. Yeah.
2: That would make sense. It's yeah. The southwest. You get but you get four bags like Delta, you get four bags but you could pay. Exactly. You don't pay. Exactly. You're paying for it. So, when your clients paying for it, it don't matter you can fly more places with Delta but Southwest there's another thing you Mhm. Get four free bags. So the so carry-on you know,
3: pelican case though is really nice. It's if somebody that like you're just going to throw it in the back of the truck. It's or, super underestimated. Like, like I take mine waterfall hunting, and yeah. I bring in the blind, and I use it as a chair mm-hmm. or a table. Like I've, and then s- I've i seen just
2: photos of dudes that have floated them.
3: through the swamp.
2: Yeah, I would say they have them tied to their waders with a rope, and their fifteen ten is literally like floating in four in three and a half of the water. Yeah. God bless you. I hope you got good insurance. Yeah, I, I definitely have done that. No chance. Absolutely not. I mean, I I, I would.
3: I also use. My I would after myself. I saw
0: somebody. If if I saw Caleb doing that, I would yeah, do that. Right,
2: right, right. exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of my gauge. Generally, I tested mine first. Has I Caleb to, done I want... this
2: before? Yes. Okay, I'll do it. Well, okay. my
0: gauge for can I do this with these cameras is has Caleb or would Caleb? Because <laughs> as as a rule. Caleb is is harder on the equipment than usually I am. Oh,
3: he gives me anxiety.
0: And so, like, I feel like he... he and I feel like if he's if he's done it, it's probably because he's done it before, so he, he knows it's going to be okay. Oh, I broke my pen. Um, Has Caleb done that before? <laughs> I don't know. He's not a fidgeter like I am. I break all my pens. WWCD,
2: um, what would Caleb do? Yeah.
3: I don't know. I did see him break a flashlight because he was trying to break the little... The little part off,
0: (laughs) and he took a player's, and he just snapped the whole flashlight in half the other day. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, I would have loved to see that. Uh, yeah. If if Caleb has done it with the camera, I feel pretty good about doing it. Also, because technically they're his cameras, so like if he's doing it with the camera, then he can't get mad at me for. Yeah, I should be. I should be good. So, um, that is. Well, I will say Caleb is sometimes puts the cameras in a little bit. Like treats them a little rougher, but I also, I tend to end up in more precarious situations as a human with a camera, so it's kind of like fifty-fifty. Um, but I like to get those sick footy shots, bro. And sometimes you, you just got to again. Sometimes you just got to go where the where it, where it is, where it is at. You know. Uh, okay, tier three. This is the tier in which that we mostly operate, um, and is more fun to use because it's expensive looking. Yeah, and th- <laughs> this is really you're stepping it up into the professional range or
2: you just big balling with that wallet, son. Right. God, there's some really there, funny TikToks about this. There's yeah. something to say about rolling into a camp knowing a bunch of other people are going to be there filmed and you're high rolling in with a bunch of cases and gear and expensive looking stuff. Yeah. And they're not. Uh, appearance is is
0: is perception, which is also reality. That wasn't the I phrase. Knew, <laughs> I I knew
2: Y'all know what I'm going you for. Were going perception for is reality. You were going for something else but forgot what you are going to say, so you went back to re- perception.
0: Perception is reality, right. um, especially if you're trying to do this for a career. Um, people tend to take you more serious if you've got a bigger camera or a more expensive-looking camera. Um, that applies to having a bigger, more expensive-looking camera. That also applies to having a cheaper camera but rigging it out so that it looks – more expensive people who don't know cameras do not know that what is expensive or helpful or high quality they just know what they think looks like it so use that to your advantage if you're trying to get work if you're trying to look like uh, a professional and you rig your camera out to look big and bad people will perceive that camera rig to be big and bad um at the same time, do good footage with it. If you have a big, bad camera rig and your footage looks like crap, well, people are going to be like, oh, this guy looks like he does a good job, and then you're going to hand him the footage, and they're going to be like, ah, he doesn't. So at the end of the day, they probably won't hire you back. We've, seen that. Know?
2: We've seen that mm-hmm. firsthand. Will they actually know? I would hope so. We've seen that firsthand, actually. The gentleman in Utah that had the giant lens the fifteen to or the fifty to thirteen hundred, whatever that was. Like, well, it just wasn't practical for there. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like he wasn't yeah. he wasn't able to get anything good because he couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, it, wasn't it was not real practical. Yeah, he's like carrying around. It had nothing
0: dollars. to do with. Boy, would I have loved that lens in Alaska though. Uh, oh, it would be great. Like if you were doing mule macro deer
3: shots on brown bears at seventy yards.
1: Uh,
0: well, also awesome. if you were doing like mule deer, at the same place in Utah it would be better. Like. If you were hunting mule deer with it, perfect. If you're spotting a stalking elk with a bow, mm-mm, not helpful. But you got a big open expanse, perfect. Anyways, yeah, that's sorry. that's a whole other discussion. Sorry, um, but there is an element of perception is reality, and you show up with a big expensive camera, people perceive you to know what you are doing. Um, so that is part of the reason to having one of these cameras. Obviously, I think these cameras, if you're a professional, make your job easier um and they're they're worth the money. A professional camera now is worth a lot less money or costs a lot less money than a professional camera used to. I mean, we bought the Sony FX6s, they're going for $6,000. To have that's a indi- I would say that's the new industry camera. Industry standard camera right now is the Sony FX6. Um the same industry standard maybe 5 or 10 years ago would have been $10 or $12,000. Um, the FS7, when it was industry standard, was, I think, $8,000. Eight, yeah. So, time that, has progressed. They came out in
2: 2017. Yes. Or 2016.
0: So, time has progressed. Um, inflation has happened. And the price of an industry standard camera has still come down $2,000. So, you're we're, you're continuing to get more bang for your buck as a whole, not just with these cameras, but also with the um, mirrorless and DSLRs. Um but anyways, let's go through the list. That's crazy to think that a industry
3: standard cinema camera is the same price as the flagship model mirrorless cameras.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it all, again, like I said, what are you trying to do with it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it makes sense for us to have a digital cinema camera as opposed to a flagship model mirrorless because we're doing video. We're focusing on video. If you're focusing on, photos well you're not going to get a digital cinema camera you're going to get the flagship uh
2: photo camera and you know? I have a comment for that but I want us to go through the list first before I make my comment okay wasn't rushing you I just wanted to point out
0: so i would say our number one recommendation we're about to have four of them is the Sony Hopefully. FX6 um it's 6000k body only uh straight off the bat you're going to you pay yeah, you're gonna pay four hundred dollars for two for a card, eight hundred dollars for cards, batteries are hundred bucks each, and then obviously your lenses But it does uh, come with a battery,
2: so you don't need to buy additional but it comes with a it comes with one thirty small, comes with one thirty. The smallest battery that Sony makes yeah. for that camera is what it comes with. Yep. But it does come with a battery.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Sony. Yep. Um it's an awesome camera. Can you
3: charge those or run those off external power? Not those through ones. the USBs. Oh, yeah. yes.
0: The FX6. V-mount you can. Uh, yeah, they have a... You can run DC mm. into them. Yeah. Um, cool I would enough. say that's your industry standard. It's a really awesome camera. We haven't been talking camera specs. We're not going to now. Um, but if you just want our straight-up recommendation for a really good camera, that's the one we're suggesting. Um, you can also step it down and go to, like, an FX3. That's $4,000. You're getting... A lot of the same image aspects as the Sony FX6, but with the form factor of a mirrorless, a little bit of a larger mirrorless. Uh, we also have one of those now. Uh, it's going on its first shoot this weekend. Um, we have in our heads some uses for it. Uh, for us, it would it's probably going to be more of a secondary camera, but you can rig it out, and it, it's a
2: good...
3: Basically, an A7S III yeah. without a viewfinder and add a fan.
2: And a top handle Yeah, it, that comes it, with it. It comes with that Sony additional top handle I was
0: yeah. About. yeah. So that's a good option. Uh, you can also go with kind of the equivalent Canon C70. I haven't seen a whole lot of guys running those. I was um, going to say, I never see those. It it came out like... It's a studio camera. I Yeah, I looked at it. We were looking at, before we got the FX6s, obviously, we were looking around because the FS7 was becoming outdated, and we wanted to kind of, um, we we needed to step up the camera, not step up, but get a more modern camera. And uh, I remember the C70s came out maybe a month, two months before the FX6, um, and they looked pretty neat. They've got some good capabilities, but the FX6 is just way better because it's got the form I factor. I even
3: don't see them, like, in social media. like No. You see all these studio no, street really videographers them. that I very rarely see Canon cinema cameras.
2: And I ask Caleb.
0: Well, about the C70 isn't technically. So I also have on here the Canon C200 and C300. Those are your Canon digital cinema but cameras. Still, like I, don't I know see one. Any of them? I know a, a couple guys in the industry who run them. Um, the problem with them is they're not super. They don't have a great form factor, and in this industry. Form factor is very, very important. Uh, Like, if you're just putting things on a tripod and rigging them out, then obviously it doesn't matter the shape, where the buttons are, nothing. Like, you just set the camera on the tripod and rig it from there. Um, Those Canon C200, 300s, like you said, that's a a studio camera. They're They're not ergonomic to hold. The FX6, the FX9, the FS7s, the FS5s, Sony's done a really good job in their cinema lines. Uh, well, the, FX, the FS5 and FS7 aren't technically in their cinema line. The FX6 is now in their cinema line. It's the little brother to the FX9. And then that's the little brother to the Sony Venice, which is their actual big, huge cinema camera. But um, they've done a really good job of creating
2: cameras that are very ergonomic. To go back to your point, Keegan, though, if you look on like the Netflix or Hulu shooting requirement like list of cameras, I don't think there's a Canon cinema camera on there.
0: I think the two. I think the C really? two hundred, three hundred, or five hundred are on there. Are they? Yeah, because I know the certainly know. the five hundred, the C five hundred. Uh, that's a oh, ten yeah, thousand dollars cinema that's camera. True, but like I think the like FX, the C five hundred would be the equivalent to the FX nine. But I probably. think the
2: FX six and the FX nine are on there. Yes, the FX six yeah. is yeah.
0: And what he's talking about is Netflix has a list of approved cameras that if you're going to produce content for Netflix. Um, it has to be shot with those cameras. They've got a giant list, and not only do they have a list of cameras, they have a list of formats on those cameras that you're quote-unquote allowed to shoot in. Um, The FX6 is on that list. Um, I think the FX3 is on that list, too. Uh, And definitely the FX9 and the Sony Venice are on the list. Obviously, a bunch of the reds. You've got your... Um, some Black Magics, your Ari Alexas. Um, I think there's some Panasonic cameras on there. I actually looked before we got the FX3 at some Panasonics. Um, there's a Panasonic Vericam LT that the crews on deadliest catch run. Really, really nice cameras. What uh, was a take on those? Do I think they were like 12 or 13, mm. maybe more. It was a long time ago. Um, you can also, the last camera I have on this list is a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 6K or something. I've heard some really good things about that. The, I've heard really good things. Again, form factor is the reason why we... It just doesn't make sense for us. Um, but it's a $5,300 body. Um, it shoots raw. Uh, I think the FX6 actually would with an external recorder. Um Basically, once you're stepping it up to digital cinema cameras, you're getting a lot of recording uh, options, image quality options. Uh, you're getting a bigger, better file. Uh, and then with some of the – it's it's built for video, and it's built for professional video. Um, and that is basically what it is. If you're going to film
3: hunts, though, do not buy, buy Blackmagic.
0: No. Their durability outside
3: of the studio is trash.
0: Yes, and they don't have good form factor. Everybody that's ever used
3: one. Yeah. But and there's a lot of guys that film like commercial work mm-hmm. on those Black Magics because they shoot such good footage, and yep. they're essentially throwaway cameras to them because mm-hmm. they're only $5,000 instead of a red.
0: Yeah, which now you can get a red uh, Komodo for 8 which really isn't bad, but they're super small, and I feel like the form factor isn't as great. Um, but reds have never had the best form factor. You have to rig them to have a good form factor.
3: I feel like you should explain to the audience exactly what you're saying when you say form factor. So I feel like that's going to be a term that is...
0: Uh, I mean, form, form factor is just like how nicely the camera fits into you as a human being running it. Uh, and a video camera is a, a like a Sony FX6. It's got the side handle... Um, it's got a lot of controls at your fingertips. Um, it's, it's built for you to hold it and run it in a video sense. Like you, you, it's just built for that. Whereas a mirrorless or a DSLR, its form factor is built to be held in front of your face, looking through the viewfinder or over on the side or whatever it is. It's, it's not built to be, uh, held and ran for video.
2: It's built for photo. Um, what a great it, segue into my comment I was going to make. Ooh. So you can build, and we use freelancers that build out their mirrorlesses to function as closely as possible as the FX6 as they can. Mm-hmm. And they do it. But they're running external monitors They're running. They always have some type of bracket or cage on the camera to attach two mics to with an adapter that splits the audio and then puts it back into the camera. And then when we get done at night, we are pulling two double A's out of our mics and putting them on the charger and pulling a battery out of our camera and charging it. They are charging extra batteries and having to... You know, they're having to mount external monitors and all these kind of things where we're literally just closing the viewfinder on our camera and we're done for the day. Or opening it up when our day starts. We're not having to build up our system, which inherently means less things are breaking. So you can build them out to work like an FX6. But by the time you spend the money to do that, you know, most people are running an Atomos external monitor on those. Those are Mm
1: $1,000.
2: So you might as well just... Buy the FX six if you can find one or a comparable camera. Yeah. And we never have to dig into the menus to do anything ever. Right. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. I mean, I would say ever, ever,
0: ever. I'm in the menus doing things, but Yeah. You're not in there for like while you're shooting exactly. all the time.
2: You're fine tuning a specific setting yeah. for that project.
0: Yeah. Um, Again, what are your what are your goals? What are your budgets? Obviously. But boy, would um, I like
3: to look at an external monitor every time I had to record something. We have one.
2: We got an Atmos. Stealing that.
0: And again, uh, we run a very bare bones setup. You uh, you can take all of these cameras and still rig them out with more things for a variety of different purposes. Um, but we do a lot of run and gun stuff. If you're doing run and gun stuff, then... I think that there is value in having a rig that is more self-contained as opposed to less. And guys who shoot documentaries and a lot of run-and-gun stuff will say that. The less connections and the less things that can go wrong, the better. Less things that can lose battery, the better. Um, I have on here support. Same as before, um, the only thing I might say is you might have to go try to find yourself a a little bit of a, beefier, um, a little bit of a beefier camera arm. You're right on the edge of what the beefiest camera arms that most companies make uh can handle, so there's that, and then I mean, if you're at this level, I would say just spend the good money on on a on sticks and a head uh mics obviously on camera shotgun mic, like what we talked about earlier uh if you're wanting to step up your microphones. Uh Caleb obviously runs those um runs the road video mic goes and they work great. Um you can also go with what's been the industry standard for a really long time, which are the Sennheisers. Uh and you can go with like a EW 112 PG4, which is $650 for a receiver and a microphone. Uh they also have something called an aux ME2, and that is uh looks like I think that's a seven uh, $750. I run Sony mics on mine because they, I want a dual channel and they work really nice with the Sonys. Uh, we won't go all into that, but my mic package is $1,200 for one receiver and two transmitters. Uh, but you can also get a single pair for 560. Uh, again, if you're at this level, get GoPros and Osmos. It's basically not, uh, you it's required at tier three and also a drone. I would say get a DJI Mavic three. That's would,
2: the best drone you can get right now. I would like to figure out before hunting season starts a way for me to get dual channel mics and not have $1,200 mics like you. Cause I hate asking Caleb to buy me $1,200 mics. And I also do not, uh, I also do not want his video mic goes cause the the downfall of those is you have to recharge them. They don't run batteries yeah you so if it dies, you can't just pop two double A's in it
0: yeah I don't know if there's really i think the sony one is one of the only ones that um you can you can take two external sources into one, yeah and route it into the camera yeah I'd like for f- I'd like to figure that
2: out just because i ninety percent of the time am doing Lee and Tiff, yeah and so it's good to have both yeah Lee and Tiff are usually somewhere where they have a friend they're hunting with or a guide that they're hunting with where it is nice that I can be filming something that is not them and get them talking. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: Also at this Pelican, you're probably going to need a bigger one. Uh, You can run a 1650. That's about 350 bucks. So those are the Pelicans that we run. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Now that we're done with gear, I got really bored of that actually, honestly. I feel like we took too long on gear, but
3: wasn't a comprehensive list, though.
0: No. It still wasn't. We could literally talk about gear for so long. And honestly, I mean, that's a lot of the questions that guys have. People have
3: entire web shows that just talk about gear. Niche.
0: Look at that. Look at that niche. Um, Now that you've figured out that you have your concept, you've got your name, you've got your gear, uh, you are also going to need something to edit that with.
3: If and we hard drives. Completely
0: lost you. Now we will. Nah, this one actually, I don't. I'm not going to go for that full into it. I'm going to just say could get worse than cameras. Oh, it God. could get. <laughs> um, one, you're going to need hard drives. We use uh, those LaCie. Are they four terabytes or yes, two? Four. The LaCie rugged's the and they're four terabytes. I think. Well, how much are those? Oh. I don't even know. Like 250 about. bucks. They're like Amazon 250. Right. Um, I have on me at all times two of them because when I am shooting, I dump all my footage every day to one and I back it up to the second. Uh, so four, keep that in mind. 150 bucks for a four terabyte. 150, so $300. Are they on sale,
3: mm? they on sale right now?
0: Um, you're going to need those in the field. Uh, you're also going to need a laptop in the field and to edit on, uh, and my recommendation is just go get a, uh, Apple MacBook pro with an M one chip, at least 16 gigabytes. I would get something more than that. Personally, um, there you, you can spend as much money as you want on it. Um, this laptop that I am currently running cost me $3,500.
2: Can't hide money.
0: Um, but also, I didn't, and I didn't even get the flagship MacBook Pro. But, you know, I obviously do this for a living, and I need a computer that can handle all the things that I do with it. Um, I got the one with 32 gigs of RAM. Uh, I honestly wanted the bigger one. I wanted I wanted the bigger one, but it wasn't going to be here in time for me to use it. So I ended up taking a couple steps back on the specs. But... Um. You can spend as much as you want on a laptop. If it's going to be your primary editing machine, get, get the specs that you need. Spend a little bit of extra money on it. Um, but if you can't afford that, there are workarounds to where you can make it so that your computer doesn't have to work as hard to manage the footage. Uh, I will say, if you're editing 4K footage off of a small camera, and by small, I mean GoPro, drone mirrorless, your computer is going to have to work very hard to edit that footage. And so having a higher spec computer with more RAM is going to give you a more pleasant editing experience. But you can also use a proxy workflow and there's ways around it.
3: But it kind of helps to run a SSD and have all your editing happening on that instead of on the hard drive of your computer. Yeah, I was saved me a ton. Mm hmm
0: uh you also probably want a desktop hard drive for storing your footage
3: yeah, do not permanently
0: on those um God that's a scary, scary
3: slow process.
0: I edited on a desktop for a long time. Uh, we edited off we've edited off those uh those black ones that we've got down there until we got the server. I had a less five big quadra for about four years. It's a twenty terabyte uh raid capable drive. Um,
3: most people are gonna buy like the desktop drive that I bought. That's like the cheap ones. Yeah, yeah. You can't do anything off those.
1: Yeah,
0: those are literally just holding cells for footage. Yeah, you can get a solid state drive for like six hundred bucks and use that. Um, but definitely have like a a desk mounted hard drive that is specifically dedicated to holding all your footage. Caleb says we're two hours into it. I know. I knew this was gonna be a long one. It just is what it is. The people want the information. We're giving it to them. Yeah. Uh, so you say. I feel like it's been very informative. I think so too. We haven't taken that many rounds. We could. Trails. We
2: could have gotten gone way deeper. Than what yeah. We did. Um.
0: Sorry, it's so long. Hopefully, it's informative to somebody out there.
2: We're on the clock, so we don't care. <laughs>
0: um. Your computer is going to cost you upwards of thirteen hundred dollars. Uh. Just plan on that unless you already have one, in which case you can use
2: it. 13, don't you mean 3,000? No. Oh. The base model of like a oh, MacBook oh, Pro oh, oh, is 1,200. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, well, heck, I'm still editing on a 2013 Mac trash can. That's true. So, And this is just having a
0: one computer to do it all. I mean, right. oh, uh, we obviously have a MacBook Pro yeah. and I have a Mac Studio and we've all either got an iMac or something else that we work off of. Which is something you can do, but, you know, um, this is just the basic requirement. And a lot of guys, especially if you're not doing this full-time, they're not going to want to spend the money on a Mac Studio for it to sit on their desk. Because they're not going to take it everywhere. Right. Um, A laptop you can take everywhere, and you can edit with it when you're at home. You're also going to need an editing program. We use Premiere Pro. If you just get Premiere Pro, it's twenty bucks a month. If you get the entire Adobe Creative Cloud suite, which is helpful, it's fifty bucks a month.
2: So. and that's another thing you can save with an edu mm-hmm. email because my student subscription ran out this month, so it now goes from thirty-nine to fifty-four. Go enroll in a class, dude. What are you doing? I did that long enough. Educational system got enough of my money.
0: Hmm. Sure.
2: Sure. Sure. Sure.
0: They'll always get your money until you stop giving it to them, but I think you're just addicted to school, Clay. Okay. See, I told you we wouldn't go that far down into the editing stuff. Uh, just know that you're going to need some portable drives for when you're on the, on the road filming. At least two. At least two, and you're going to need probably a desktop drive that serves as a master drive to keep all of your stuff. Um, you always want multiple copies of your things at all times, so... You just—it It is what it is. Data costs money. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not that much money. Um, it's a lot of money. Not as much as it used to be, I think is what I meant to say. Wow.
1: <laughs> data say storage
0: used to cost a lot more than it does now. You know, if you're comparing how much it used to cost to store one gig of stuff versus what it costs now. Yeah. But at but the same time, we still are... still a lot of money. Yeah. We are getting inflated data rates. So... Um, past that, obviously, you've got all the tools to shoot and edit your show, um, and now you're, now you have to go shoot, shoot it and edit it, and so you need to plan on spending time in the field hunting, which you probably were going to do anyways, uh, but I think it's worth noting if we're talking about what it takes to have a web show, um, you're going to have to have a certain amount of hunting trips a year. You're probably going to have to pay for them. You're going to have to pay for getting there and back. Um, you're going to have to pay for all your tags. And obviously you're going to have to be able to take the time off of work uh, to go do those things. So you're going to lose maybe some money that you would usually make working if you're on an hourly hourly uh, paycheck to go do these things. So those are important things to keep note of. Um, When we go shoot, we might shoot for a week, and it will take us um, the minimum for an eight to ten minute web show editing is probably two days. More likely, you're probably looking at a week, and that's us editing full time as professionals who have done it for a long time. So, you're... Your web shows may take you one, two to three weeks to edit, especially if you're kind of doing it part-time.
2: If we didn't have – I think we could get them done in three days if we didn't have to wait for approvals and changes and things like that. I think that's where a lot of the misconception is, is like people think that, oh, you guys went and edited a 15-minute web show in seven days, eight working days, whatever. It's like, well, two of those days I sat around working on something else because – yeah. Uh, we're waiting for other people. So if you're not if you're not having people that have to approve it, other than just your buddies that went on the hunt, it might not take mm-hmm. you as long.
0: Yeah, and also we're doing a lot of things. We uh, we obviously rough cut it, and then we're sound designing and color correcting and doing graphics and all those sort of things. So um, there is uh, an additional time requirement, and I think I wanted to note that because a lot of guys think. Uh, especially at first, like, oh, I go shoot the footage. Well, then you come back and you have to edit it. And a lot of people forget about that. And they forget about the time it takes to edit it, the effort it takes to edit it, and the skills that it takes to edit it. And um, you either have to develop those skills or find somebody who has those skills or whatever it is. But um, if you're going to have a web show, it has to get edited. So it's you can go shoot. Until you're blue in the face, if you just come back and let it sit on a hard drive, it does no good for you. Uh, so, you have to be able to edit it somehow. So, just keep that in mind. Either you're going to have to edit it, or maybe you pay somebody to edit it, or one of your buddies edits it. Edit edits it. Um, it's just part of the requirements of having a web show. For a lot of people, um, that's kind of the that's kind of the shtick. Um there's the editing is kind of a necessary evil for a lot of guys. Um I can speak for myself and say that I honestly really enjoy the editing process, but I would say that I'm I am uh a rare minority in lot of truth to that. in this particular content creation niche. So many um, actually most most and just generally in <laughs> the world, more people enjoy the shooting part of things than they enjoy the editing part of things. But if you're going to have a web show, somebody's going to have to bite the bullet and edit it. Um, And like I said, we're assuming that you're doing this all yourself. So uh, either you or one of the buddies that you've got doing it with you, or maybe everybody kind of splits the workload, it's going to have to get edited. So you do have to factor in that time and effort requirement. Um, Just the same as you have to factor in your hunting time uh, in all of those costs as well. Um,
2: If you think you're going to do it, 10 episode web show with only kills and you're only going to go on 10 hunts, you're mat. you're sadly mistaken. I'm sorry not to be rude, but we get to go on a lot of expensive hunts because of the people that we work with and they don't always kill. So yes, you need to think of that as well.
0: Well, I think too, um, it's something to consider is you, you may have to try to book more, or go on more uh, trips, depending on what what the concept of the show is. Uh, you may not just be able to go and hunt just the few weekends a year that you hunt generally when you aren't filming for a web show. Uh, you may have to go try to find a uh, diverse and varied Rolodex of hunts that you can go on throughout the year. You know, I mean, that's why we're busy for... Uh, basically the entire fall and winter because we're not just doing uh, the one season of hunts in that one region. We're, we're starting in, in August with some of the earliest season hunts you can do and going all the way through everywhere to the late season hunts. And we're hunting Mm -hmm. most of the species that you can hunt. Uh, And that's big game. Obviously you go into the waterfowl world. There's all of that to do as well. Um, and I feel
3: like the majority of people that are going to be starting a web show are not going to be primarily traveling and probably live in an area that they're hunting around. Yeah, and are right. Yeah, buying. They, they've got. Tags. They've
2: got a place they can hunt. And they Might do one over the counter, Colorado. For yeah, like a year. if yeah. that. It Which I, I hope you are that person because it makes it a lot easier to get people together and do it. And if you if you did mess up and miss something, you can go back out and redo it or recreate yeah. it or whatever. So I hope you are that person.
3: Yeah. It um, also just kind of makes me realize how, because of where we are located, how little there is here. Like, if this was anywhere in the Midwest, we wouldn't be having this conversation because our heads would have been, yeah, we we're out on the farm or this piece of land or whatever. Yeah you know, in our local area doing all of it.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. he, him and I were in Chick-fil-A one day, and one of the managers saw our Copeland Creative. red. He had a Copeland Creative a Redneck Tech shirt on, and I had the opposite one. He goes, oh, wh- what's that? That sounds cool And we tell him. And he goes, oh, man, y'all doing all that around here? And we're like, zero of no, no, he's like, oh, where do you do it? And Ryer literally goes, uh, everywhere but here.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, that but some, you may have to point,
3: though, yeah. geographically, thinking about what you want your web show to be um, and realizing that if you're in a place like North Georgia, probably ain't going to happen if you're in a place like Iowa
0: or depending on the concept of your show. Yeah. Correct. But yeah. Yeah. um, I think that just in general, if you're filming hunts to get a good amount of content, you're probably going to have to film more than maybe you would have in the past, unless you're one of those guys who's just out there all the time already and you just start bringing a camera, um, you know that you may, you may have to plan on spending a lot more time uh, out doing hunts, and oh, then no, no. and then obviously, uh, depending on your concept and your show style and what you're trying to get across, there may be uh, a lot of time not in the field spent filming different things, um, the in the tree and the stand on the hunt part um, of of any video is crucial, but there's also a lot of prep work and other things that, that can go into it. So, um, you want to account for that. Um, and, uh, we kind of already talked about this, but I did write a note on style. So it's something that you just want to figure out beforehand, uh, figure out what, what kind of, what you want your show to look like, how you want it to look, how you want each episode to be structured. Um, how long they're going to be, uh, what the message is of the show, what's the so what, what's the concept, and before you go and shoot and definitely before you start editing, uh, just keep those things in mind and shoot and edit towards that style and that story and those goals. Um, that informs a lot of things. I mean, obviously, if you're if you're doing a show that's, just only going to be in the tree. Well, you don't need to film a whole lot of things other than that. But if you're trying to film more of a lifestyle show, well, then you need to go film more lifestyle stuff. If you're filming a show where you're well, going to need you some management and inter-
3: interview-based show only in a bow hunting tree stand, like interview back and forth between two people,
0: like hmm. a talk show, just oh, in a tree stand, like comedians in cars getting coffee, except for it'd be like hunters and stands talking about just life, whispering. If anybody steals that, we'll know exactly that you got it from here.
3: But also, somebody should do that because that would, that would be funny.
0: That would be interesting. That'd I've thought about like doing time. a show like that just with, like, the, um, like, whenever you're on a hunt and there's the lull. Everybody always stops and sits and eats snacks and stuff. And you always get very interesting conversations. Oh, and I that, have so much footage for this this
3: show already. Yeah, I would I love... just th- can't say the name that I want to name the show on this podcast.
0: Yeah. You can say it after. Sorry, guys. Um, I'll get to if know. If I it. say it, then I'll give it away. Yeah. Um, But, like, there is... uh, There's so many stories and random things. Like, it'd be cool to just, like, in the Comedians in Cars getting coffee vein make like an interview show that only happens in the lulls of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Like that would be kind of interesting. There's, there's a few shows that have done it, not hunting shows, but just like yeah. YouTube shows. And those are very cool. And I've liked them. Uh, and there we go. Giving away ideas. Of course you guys, whoever, if somebody does that and gets big, I'm demanding a 1% royalty of all your earnings, maybe five or 10. I don't know. Cause that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. We've had it for a long time. Um, Obviously, again, style is a way to differentiate yourself. Uh, You also have to decide where it's going to go and how often it's going to go there. We had somebody ask today, how many episodes would you consider a web show? And that kind of depends on your structure. Uh, You can do a web show where you're coming out with an episode every week, every two weeks, um, every month. Or you can do a web show where you collect all the episodes and release them in a season. Or you can do a web show where you just release them as you get them. Um, most of our web shows are that one. We, we try to get them out two weeks after they happen. Um, but if you're really trying to be super successful, especially on like a YouTube, then... Regular, consistent content is your best friend. So you're looking at probably wanting to put a show out every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, whatever. I would say at least quarterly. Yeah. Um be able to have like a produced show. Right. Again, it just depends on, A, how much you can do, like how much workload you as a person could take on between your hunts, uh, who's helping you, and the type of show that you are creating. Um, and just... What the end goal is, obviously. Uh, Besides YouTube, you also have platforms like Vimeo uh, that you can put your stuff on. Vimeo is bad for social discoverability, so it's not really something that most people in the industry use for anything other than things that they want people to see in a super high quality.
3: Or that they don't want filtered.
0: (laughs) Or they don't want filtered.
3: Like Ted Nugent's video, Vimeo.
0: He has a whole channel. Does he, on Vimeo?
3: Yeah, I randomly stumbled across it one day. I didn't know that. Got lost in it for a while.
0: <laughs> lost in the sauce. It's a rabbit hole. Um, you can also put things on Amazon Prime. There's, uh, there's a whole process to doing that, but it is a platform you can look at. Um, and again, you can do all your things on Instagram and Facebook. Hunting shows are tough to put on TikTok, but maybe you're just creating content Hunting for TikTok. Hunting shows are actually
3: also tough to put on Instagram. Yeah. Um, depending on what your content is specifically, they start to get flagged and then your account gets shadow banned, mm-hmm. which may or may not have happened to the Cope account. Probably has. Probably well, has. Did. The Cope account is definitely shadow banned. Right now? Has been for a month and a half. Mm. Fun fact.
0: We won't go there. Um... I had another personal gripe, but I know it'll piss a lot of people off. because it was for a Spy Point episode. Huh? It was for a Spy Point episode. It has nothing to do with why we got Shadow Banned. My personal gripe is... Here's my personal gripe. This is going to get me in trouble. And you guys might hate me for this. Uh, I, a pet peeve of mine, is when you are an influencer or a brand in the hunting community and you get Shadow Banned... And then you go complain about being shadow banned in a really whiny way all over your social platforms,
2: knowing it was going to happen at some point.
0: Right. And the and the problem I have is that
3: um, why did you think we were going to hate you for this comment? Well,
0: I don't know. Some people would be like, "Well, the the companies shouldn't shadow ban people. Should, could, wouldn't? They do. That's you, the reality you of the read game. The rules. You click the little check that, mark, and, and you that's read the things." That is my that's my pet peeve. it's like should uh should all of these things happen? maybe not no, but at the end of the day, the companies have these community guidelines they come up with them themselves, and there's nothing we can do about them uh maybe someday they'll decide that they will be a little bit more lenient on their particular guidelines, but Definitely I don't find that to be uh I don't Definitely find that to be likely to get worse right and so. You can whine and complain. There was another word that I usually put before whine that you guys can infer. Uh, You can whine and complain about it. It's not going to do anything. I find that the whining and complaining is more of a cry for attention and sympathy and pity and engagement than it is an actual attempt to solve the problem that causes it. And at the end of the day, when you have content on a platform, you have to play by the platform's rules and that's just what it is. When you live in the United States, you have to play by the United States' as rules. When you put your content on YouTube or TikTok or uh, Instagram or Facebook, you have to play by their rules. So either you have to find a platform that has rules that uh, allow you to put your content up there, or you have to make content that uh, allow that doesn't get flagged by those rules. And until the companies decide the change, which I don't think is likely, uh, because at the end of the day, realistically, we as in the hunting community are a very small minority uh, and one that people really, most people don't want to see hunting content. Most people don't want to see animals getting shot. Most people don't want to see the a lot of the types of content that that we might be creating. The large majority of people, and unfortunately, it's the large majority of people that have the power and the say. So, and uh, you know, I think that the most of most of the people who are running these companies are not on the same political side of the aisle or life side of the of of the spectrum as we are in this particular niche of content, and it's just always I feel like going to be a fight, and I just. Every time I see it and as somebody's like so surprised that they got shadow banned it's like dude what did you think was going to happen like it's just going to happen um and you can whine and complain about it but it just feels like uh it feels disingenuous to me so that's my that's my one of my pet peeves um but that's not to say that we shouldn't be trying to advocate for ourselves that's pretty impressive it took 2 hours and 20
3: minutes before you went on a rant rabbit hole I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you. I, I'm honestly trying we're trying to get through this. but there if you've made it through two hours and 15 minutes of this, one, you're very dedicated. Two, um, it takes a lot to have a web show. I think at the end of the day, the length of this podcast is indicative of the amount of things that you need to do and think about and consider before having a web show. A web show doesn't just happen. You don't just go, hey, I'm going to go film my hunts, and then suddenly you're a successful uh, content creator on the interwebs. Like, there's a lot of things that you need to think about and that have to happen. So uh, it takes a long time to kind of explain all of those things. Uh, Next week, we are going to talk about TV shows, and there's a whole added level of complexity to TV shows. On the bright
3: side, it just kind
0: of reflects off of this one. We've already covered right. 90%
3: 90% of the things. Right.
0: Um, anyways, besides social media platforms, there are some, I call them company platforms, uh, that you can put your stuff on. You've got ok go Realtree 365, uh, Carbon TV, and the other one that I can't remember the name of. That there's so many. there. There's a bunch Pursuit of them. Pursuit Channel
3: has their own Pursuit streaming. Pursuit Channel, yeah. I mean, Outdoor Channel has their own streaming. to it's a plethora of random streaming platforms for specific hunting TV, and there's a ton of like real niche ones. Mm-hmm. Like there's some waterfowl only ones and blah blah blah. That I mean, you can get on and yeah. discover your get discovered on those platforms and not have the same rules of everything else. But
0: they don't have the mass audiences that YouTube has, or that Instagram has, yeah, or that Facebook has.
3: I think they're nice additions to your. Mm-hmm. Um, to your portfolio. They're yeah. not the only place your content should live, but I think if you were pushing the envelope of the more widely-based used platforms, it would probably be advantageous to put your content out on one of those, just as kind of a safety net of if something happens, yeah. there's still people that are watching this content.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I, I'm not 100% sure the processes that it takes to get on those platforms as I have never had to put uh, content on them. I mean, I've had content that I've made go on them, but I never had to like figure out how, who we get in contact or how you get in contact with whoever it is to put your stuff on there.
3: Very simple. A couple, couple emails and you're in business. You'll get all
0: the information that you need. Yep. Um, So there's a lot of places that you can put your content Uh, again, just another choice. Uh, And The interval of content and how long your content is, all of that is another choice that you have to make. Um, Planning hunts and content, we talked about that. Uh, Obviously, you're going to have to do a good bit of promotion if you're trying to have uh, something that people's eyes get on. And we talked about this last week on the podcast episode. The requirements aren't a whole ton different, but just know that there's a significant not a significant but you will have to spend time promoting your show on social media is there anything you would like to add to that
3: you're you're marketing a brand that's you're selling a product your product just happens to be a video or in a series so you know kind of the same thing we talked about last week with the podcast but yeah you have to have content that you can push and get people to see it so yeah something to think about
0: yeah and uh I think there's also a significant amount of photo content that you need, not just video, um, especially if you're going to fill those social media buckets. So I don't know.
3: I'm pretty sure you could just post videos and be perfectly fine.
0: You think so?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Mo- most of the social media platforms at this point are kind of getting away from our photography as much as that irks me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you could just post short video clips in the right fashion and get get into where you needed to get into.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess you're not wrong. They are, I see more reels than anything else on my feed, Yeah, and that's not because I like reels. You can thank
3: TikTok for that. Yeah. But Facebook's different. You know, Facebook, uh, while it pushes videos, pushes a very different um, algorithm mm-hmm. than what Instagram does or what TikTok does or what Twitter does. So it's all something that, depending on where you want to, spend the most of your time, you know, you're going to have to look into that.
0: Yep. Um, and again, if you're doing videos, it's just, you're going to have to create them. So it's just time spent editing um, and posting. So again, more time. Um, I said, we talk about sponsors. We're not going to get into it very heavily. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you're not going to get sponsors to pay you right away. Uh, and the way that you're going to get sponsors to pay you, if you're somebody who doesn't have a name in the industry is by having an audience that they want to market to. Um, so that comes from building a group of people who watch your content and watch it consistently. Uh, when you approach sponsors, you have to have some numbers to show them, um, and that could be social media numbers. That can be watch numbers. It can be any variety of things, but that's ba- that's at the end of the day, that's basically what sponsors are looking for. Um, we've had entire podcasts where we talk about how to approach sponsors and and what to like how to get sponsors. Um, but just know that uh, you will have to do a little bit of building probably uh on the back end on your own dime before you get um before you have enough uh have big enough numbers to attract sponsors or to get them to say yes to sponsoring the show and a lot of times especially as you're building you're probably not going to get a whole lot of monetary sponsors you're going to get a lot of product sponsors first uh, and then maybe some product sponsors uh, as you b- grow and build uh, build an audience and prove your value. Um, th- sponsors come with uh, an additional set of requirements, obviously. Um, if somebody has their name on your show, they're going to want probably to see it places in your show. You're going to have to use the product. You're going to have to maybe... Um, create specific segments for that or uh, give them a certain amount of what are called deliverables, which may be pictures. It could be small video clips. It could be uh, fully produced little video uh, videos for the product uh, that changes depending on what the company is and what the arrangement is. But uh, Just know that sponsors are not just free money. There is additional work that goes into uh, providing value to those sponsors. And uh, they will have certain requirements as to when, how, and and what they they want done for and with their product.
3: Please, for the love of God, vet your sponsors. Figure out what they actually want. Sign a contract. Just go online. Get a contract printed out. Put the details in it. Sign it. It's not that hard. It's not that much extra work. It saves so much bickering in the end when you just say, this is what I gave you, this is what we agreed on, thank you. Mm -hmm. Because it goes one of two ways, but it just helps everybody out. It's good for the industry, it's good for you, it's good for the sponsor, it's good for your audience instead of all of a sudden now you're pushing 300 pictures from one shoe sponsor or one bass lure yeah. instead of making the content that you set out to make.
1: Yeah.
0: Just know what you're getting into, um, and be upfront with them and make sure they're being upfront with you and be honest with them. I mean, if you're the type of person who's like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to do a segment for your product in my show. That's not what it's about. Uh, that's not what I want to do. And that's not what my show is about. Then tell them, you know, um, and be okay with the fact that some companies will be like, well, that's not what we want. And, At the same time, it takes a fairly good amount of influence to be the type of person who's like, look, you either put your name on my thing and I do what I want and pay me for it. Like, that's a significant amount of influence.
3: Well, it just takes sticking to your guns, essentially. Yeah. And waiting for the right people because eventually, if you do that, you will find sponsors that are just going to value you for you Mm -hmm. and not just looking for another page to slap their name on
0: and I think there is a certain thing to be said about um not just not just taking any sponsor that'll come and throw product or money at you um I think it's important even more so now to work with companies and brands that you uh either enjoy their product like their product use their product respect their product and further than that uh Align with uh, that company's values and they align with your values and your content. Um, Not every company is the right fit for every web show or every brand or every influencer or every ho. you know, not every company is the right fit for every person. So it's okay if somebody comes to you with a product and is like, Hey, can we sponsor you with this product? If you're like, Man, I really don't use that, or maybe it's a company that you really just don't want to associate yourself with. It's okay to say uh, no. I don't really need that sponsorship, or I'm not interested in that. You know, um, people more and more can kind of see through the disingenuous sponsorships where you're just doing, where they can tell you're just doing it for the money. People can see that from from miles away. So it's important to align yourself with um, products and companies that you believe in and that you want to be associated with.
3: Your audience is going to know the difference. Right. Especially if you're reading a script that you've made up about a company you don't care about, or if it's something that you really are into, your audience is going to know. And your sponsorship dollars are going to go one way or the other, depending on how well you actually sell that product. Mm -hmm. And if your audience is really disengaged while you're trying to sell the product of something that they don't really want to watch anyway you're really going to lose out.
0: Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to note that as you, as you venture into the world of sponsors and people paying you to create the content, um, you are inviting more people into the approval process. Uh, It may not be as direct as, you know, Oh, you're creating this thing for this company and they say what you can and cannot do. But, uh, there is the possibility that in the content that you create, maybe you say or do something that doesn't align with that company, what that company wants to align themselves with, and they pull a sponsorship, right? So, in a in in a indirect way, uh, they they are having a say in the content. Kind of. Does that make sense? That I explained yeah, that well? that's where
3: contracts get written and. Sure, ahead of time. That saves a lot of that stuff, too.
1: Yeah, but but just just know when you are...
3: they're going to want their brand portrayed in a certain fashion. Right. And if it's not the way that you are going to portray it, probably should make sure that that's established ahead of time. Otherwise, your content's going to have some issues when somebody that's paying you a good chunk of money or somebody that you have to rely on for a good part of your income to fund this show is saying, we don't want you to do it like that. You know that's that becomes a big issue, and something you don't want to have to deal with in this process. Yeah, there's enough going on already, but that's where vetting your people ahead of time, all your sponsors, all the people that you're working with on these projects, make sure you get along with them. Mm-hmm. Your person, point of contact for the company, whoever their marketing person is, you kind of have to get along with that person. Because you're going to spend a lot of time talking to them, emailing them, and if they're hard to get along with or it just isn't a good mesh mix then it's not going to work and it's not going to be successful
0: yeah um it also is one of those things where when you start signing contracts you begin to um limit your creative options to a certain extent right because when you sign a contract and you both have agreed and you're like okay uh this is how my show has been and you say okay we're going to do these things well suddenly now you have to do those things and um you don't have latitude necessarily to change some parts of your show now or, or your content now, right? If you've had, let's say, for example, a very clean, uh, family-friendly show and maybe over the course of the year you're like, man, I would really like to maybe get a little edgier with it. Well, if you're just doing it and nobody has, you don't have any contracts or anybody associated with it but you and you decide to put out one episode that's just like, super edgy you can freaking do it because there's nobody to tell you hey no you can't do that or we're pulling our sponsorship or whatever or you violated the 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 terms of whatever it was in the contract right um but if you have sponsors and, and they're expecting a certain uh type of content a certain level of content a certain consistency of content uh you're now beholden to that so it is something to think about before you sign those contracts. You need to make sure that you are okay with doing the things that are outlined in the con- contract and uh, knowing that you you kind of have to continue to do the show the way that you have been doing it before you got the sponsors because that's what they're expecting to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just something to think about uh, when you're trying to make that jump into... Uh, doing things for, for the sponsors.
2: Anything to add, Clay? No, my ears hurt. Mm, why? Some of the pads on the microphones pushing my big ears down.
0: Mm, I see. Um, well, I think that's probably all. We're at two hours and 30 minutes. I mean, this has almost been a Joe Rogan Experience podcast. It's been the Redneck oh. Tech experience. It's, it's always been experience. informational. I hope... There are still 5 million things I wish I could talk about. Uh, I hope that it's been informative. Some of it
3: we'll talk about next week, too. Yeah. Uh, I hope that... A lot of next week stuff, other than like being on a network and maybe form factor of filming, yeah. like translates very well into this stuff, too. Yeah. And all, all of this builds on last week's episode, You know, having the podcast. All of these things are things to think about in that realm, as well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we forgot things. There are some things that I wanted to dive more into that uh, we didn't get a chance to, but for anybody looking to start a web show, hopefully we've given you guys an idea of kind of what it takes. Why you should come to our production class. Why you should come to the production class. Uh, You can have like three or four days of this.
2: Well, we did have two people drop out, so we have two spots open.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, is there any news? Do we have any news? We don't have any news. Just
3: come to the production class. Um, Are are we we
2: leaking what I worked on today? No,
0: No, you be quiet over there. That's
2: why I asked. asked.
0: We're We're leaking nothing that we've been working on this week. We're building suspense. That's why I asked. All the things that we've been working on this week are very top secret. Are we leaking that before the class? I don't know what we're doing with that. Right now, the pipes are sealed. The gaskets are in in sound condition. And... uh,
1: Mm.
0: We will, we will not be, we'll not be uh, with that analogy. <laughs> we will not be giving out any more information. Uh, yeah, I guess we've got two spots open for the podcast class that's happening mid August,
2: August first through the oh, first. Uh, sorry, fourth through the seventh, I think. Third through the seventh. Oh, I was close. Third, through, third, the
0: third the through the seventh. For some reason, I felt like it. I knew the seven. I knew there was a
2: seven in I there. I did too.
3: Um, but yeah, so, if you're looking if you're, for more information about that, uh, feel free to reach out, rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram.
2: Or keegan at dot creativecom Yes. Also that.
0: <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. I know it's been a long one. Uh, we appreciate you all. Hopefully uh, you guys are getting the bang for your buck that you expected. Uh, out. <laughs>